candy. Come on, let's pump it up. Hey guys, welcome back to Bonafide Tastemakers. <laughs> this is a chill, chill hour. Can you hear that? No, I can't. <laughs> oh. Is it coffee jazz or whatever? Yeah, it's just like... I can kind of hear it, but I feel like it's like... It's just chill Discord. beats. Okay, <laughs> just lo-fi. Yeah. What's up, everyone? Shout out Stolen Drums. Check them out. Shout out Stolen Drums. All right. Actually, for real, this time. Uh, Do we have a name for this? Or is it just going to be... What is our name for this? We should decide that right now. Live on the on the podcast. What live, is our name for this? Live oh. from Geek Space. Live <laughs> from Geek Space. Danny McGill. Grand. Granule. <laughs> All right. Come on. Glambert Grudia. <laughs> yeah, there we go. There we go. Thank you. Uh, Sabello, the superior Jupiter. I accidentally stopped recording. I got that, that. You startled me. Just even evoking his name. Uh, okay. Yeah. What, do you, what, what, what are we calling this? What are we calling this? What are we calling this? I mean, that, this isn't a great name. This is definitely like first round How, picks, but okay. Go ahead. Are you, well, what are you, what are you about no, to no, say? No, you first. Well, you know how you have people have their watch list. This could be the watched list. Yes, that, that was it. bad. You're right. That was well. It was a first round draft. Yes, draft. A, what am I fucking you know what saying? that means? <laughs> yeah, it's usually a good thing. Actually, <laughs> I realized that it didn't make any sense after I said it. I may not know much about sports, but I know that I messed that up just now. Um, how often do you want to do these? I I don't know. I can do them whenever. I mean, I watch a lot of things outside of the uh, the podcast. I didn't know if you were like, we want to do it monthly, like four plus one, or if it was going to be like, we're going to do these quarterly and like quarterly. (laughs) Well, I was thinking, I feel like there's so, I mean, I I guess maybe I'm just watching more movies than you, because I feel like I would have too much to talk about if we were doing it quarterly. So you want to do it like monthly? Let's say we don't have to do it monthly. I just feel like, well, it might motivate me to watch more shit. Honestly, if I know I'm going to come in with a movie. I'm looking at like 20 things just this month so far. Like there are Holy days where I watch shit, like three movies. I watch like three movies. Are we in a allowing? Day sometimes. Are we allowing TV shows? You can. It's whatever you're watching. Okay, cool. Then then I probably have enough. Uh, yeah, I, you watch TV shows and stuff. I can't talk about any of that really. Um. Okay. Okay. So let's 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 break it down here. So let's say it's monthly. So then what what can we call a monthly podcast about what we've been watching? monthly postmortem what how i think the watched list is better than monthly postmortem i like monthly postmortem yeah i know you like them yeah we oh shocker we like the things we each pitched (laughs) but you didn't even like yours as soon as it came out of your mouth it's better than monthly postmortem though i didn't realize how much i liked it until you said yours Okay, okay, okay. Fair enough. <laughs> Saying a lot of people probably have watched list. Uh, I'm sure nobody has said. Po- I'm month- sure nobody has said monthly post morning. You're right. You're right. I think no one had the uh, the courage to the, say so, to, the, to give such a bad suggestion. The SEO <laughs> on my name is much better. No, it's not. <laughs> um. You're just gonna bring up a bunch of like funerals and stuff if you're googling postmortem. Monthly postmortem, okay. I know died post-mortem. this month. 
Okay. <laughs> Very cool. I think postmortem nowadays is more often used for like the shit you see at like talks. You know what I mean? No. Postmortem is the thing people say when it's like, hey, you remember your favorite video game? We got the developers to sit around a table and talk about things they did right, things they did wrong, like things they would do again. That's what I've never heard that, that just referred that to as a final project in school. We never called it a postmortem. We had to do, we literally, Katie. We just didn't call it that. Oh. Like, I know what you're talking about. We just didn't call it that. Yeah, we, I, ours was called a postmortem on our. Okay. Uh, I just, I never heard that phrase used that way. So that's interesting. Yeah. But so postmortem just means like, what, okay, your thing is released. You want to talk about what went right, what went wrong, the project for the education of others, a postmortem. Yeah. No. Okay. But. Not saying that's a good name for the podcast, but uh, you get things <laughs> other than dead bodies is my opinion. Yeah, that's true. Um, okay, uh, so not monthly postmortem. Grant says... <laughs> It'd be funny if you did Google that. that and just brought up a bunch of dead bodies. Like, just Google image is just full of awful oh, I, corpses I, my, my thought was it'd be funny if you Googled that and there already were five podcasts called that. <laughs> <laughs> no! <laughs> uh, I think month in review is too easy. Yeah. Um. Thirty days and thirty nights. Uh. Uh. Sup date. (laughs) Dump date. No sup date. But what? Because like update. Oh, okay, okay. But dump date's pretty funny too. Honestly, I was like, I was very confused. <laughs> uh, What's up? This is my dump date. <laughs> it was fat as fuck. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, I don't know, man. I I threw a couple out there. Your turn. Hmm. Did I burn all of my wordplay out when I pitched OK Boom Up and support euthanasia earlier? We're about to find out. <sighs> Something with Roundup, maybe. Hmm. Uh, I feel like Roundup's so done. Maybe Corral? Now, Corral, I can get behind. <laughs> now, maybe now, we can Corral Now, if only we something. did do it quarterly, it would be the quarterly Corral. Oh, uh, I know. <laughs> like, I, I, was at, you know, I was about to get snip, snippy a second and be like, well, if it was quarterly, what would you even name it? But you named it. <laughs> That's what it would be called if it was quarterly. That's perfect. Uh, uh, not Calendar Corral. I feel like that's... Is this episode fun yet, guys? Yeah, this is this is good. I'm sure everyone's enjoying uh, hearing this awesome process. It's yes. almost as fun this as is, testing this the is like what like, you ever you ever have like a writers' room podcast? Is what this is like? Because a lot of guys going, hmm. Well, what mm, what about a? But the writers' room podcasts aren't ever them actively writing something. It's always just them talking about it after the fact. A postmortem. Think about Boom. that. Hmm. Yeah. See, if they were as funny in the moment as we were, maybe they'd be better writers. Think about that. <laughs> Hmm. Interesting. If only they were bold enough to record all of their conversations. Yes. If only. If only. If they. If only they were seeking validation enough to record their own yeah, conversations. Well, it's too bad we aren't as uh, we aren't cowards like them. Otherwise, it could be called the coward's calendar. Ooh. Now. Now. Wait. Hold on. <laughs> you know. You want to use the coward's calendar? Kinda. Wait. I mean, wait. Look, Grant. 
The Here key, we go. The Kino Corral. Oh, there we go. Danny. Danny. He did it, ladies and gents. This is. Oh, it's great. You got to make a new theme song for this then. That's fine. I can do it. And it has to. Can can we get uh? Can we get it to be a little bit Western? <laughs> yeah, I can definitely do that. Hell yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Kino Corral. This is the Kino Corral. This is where we get together and we discuss uh, all the other random shit that we have watched over the past month. Um, I guess now we, we can extend it a little bit further past a month because we've never done one before. Uh, yeah, this is the inaugural app. The inaugural, the inaugural app. Uh, and just like any inauguration, uh, Grant, I would like to hear your version of the Star Spangled Banner. Go ahead whenever you're ready. Oh, the films that we watch. <laughs> we'll talk about them all. <laughs> when we watch the movies, we like to eat some popcorn and a soda pop, too. A ginger yeah. ale for you. <laughs> There we go. There we go. Uh, uh, so it goes a little something like that. <laughs> it mostly becomes about ginger ale, weirdly enough, at the end. Yeah. yeah well, yeah. Look, they say right what you know. And then we realize that the, despite doing the American national anthem, we're mostly singing about Canada Dry. That's true. And it's fucked up. We should be singing about American Wet. Yes. Uh, listen, by the way, uh, follow me on uh, OnlyFans at American Wet. Uh, hey, don't you dare. That's my ginger ale startup. <laughs> I'm uh, gonna get it out there under parody law. That's my ginger ale uh, 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 stand up, if you know what I mean. Well, it's his fucking ginger ale come down. Oh yeah, ginger ale come town. Uh, that's actually my garage rock band that we're playing next week. The ginger, ginger ale come, come down. down. That's awesome. Yeah, 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 dude. What what fucking? Oh, I came up with a uh, horrible uh, name the other day for a band uh, while I was at work. Oh shit. Uh come on. He's got this. It was a toxic like it was like a sludge metal band. Uh-huh. Uh something milk. Shit. Mm. Shit. Aged milk, chunky milk. No. I it was it had to do with I was cleaning the espresso machine. Um Nice. Crusty milk, I think maybe it was. Crusty milk. Wow. Yeah. Anyway. Oh, no, it was uh, uh, milk gunk. That was it. Milk gunk. Now, that's good. I like that. There we go. We are milk gunk. Uh, anyway. And we suck. Welcome to the Kino One, Corral, two, three, where four. we talk about movies that we watched. Uh or or TV shows, any visual media. Grant, yeah. you have movies. Tell me I all a about lot. the movies. When honestly, just before we even get into the specifics, I mean, I just, I'm on Letterboxd. Yeah, everyone can follow me on Letterboxd if you want. Dumb inside joke. 
but I, I can see my stats and it's kind of interesting. I can like see what days I tend to watch more movies on, like really? on average. Yeah. Like I have watched an equal amount of movies on Friday and Saturday this year. Apparently I've watched like 200 movies this year. I've hmm. watched, I watch like 25 movies a month. Yeah. It's so crazy to me. <laughs> well, that's, that's what happens literally when you don't watch TV shows. That's what happens when you don't watch TV shows. But then the problem is like, I'll watch multiple movies and I'll fall asleep during once and I have to like restart it the next day or I like I have mean, to pick it up. from. But that's still like, even with TV shows, I feel like I don't even knock out an episode every day. Well, I was on, I, when I was in my undergrad, I definitely, I had my weekly shows that mm. I was, I would watch like the new episodes each day. I like I had a show basically for every day of the week. And then I would just watch movies on top of that. That's and crazy. now that I cut a lot of TV shows out. Now I just watch movies. Nuts. And I listen to a ton of, like a scary amount of podcasts. I actually don't have screen time turned on on my phone because yeah. I really don't know if I can handle having that on my phone. Uh, but just this past month, I watched like, or how many movies is this? Not like 30 something movies. Jesus been run, Christ. Been running through a lot of Robert Altman movies. This is happening when you have a lot of time yeah, on your hands. Yeah, but I guess you do, you do the blank check thing where you say, here's like a director's whole But I didn't always up. do that. I didn't always do that. That's a newer thing, I feel like. Yeah, but I mean, I feel like newer is still like in the last two years. Like I feel like even when we were doing Space Pod and stuff, you were like, I watched eight of this guy's movies in a row. Well, I'll, there's a problem is I'll get on a kick and I want to see it through, but I don't have the wherewithal to always see it all the way through because I hit, I always like, well, I guess I can lead into the Steven Soderbergh stuff now. I always, I watch all the ones I really want to watch. I feel like at the top, I try mm -hmm. not to like spoil myself. I try to like parcel out all the ones I really want to see so that I'm not like burning myself out because I'm eventually going to have to watch like three shitty movies or just right. three movies that didn't get good reviews that aren't like highly regarded. Sometimes that helps. Sometimes I end up liking the movies more than uh, yeah. I expected to, but I don't know. Yeah, so I've been watching a lot of Soderbergh this month. Uh, I just got, well, we could talk about how bad the laundromat. I thought the laundromat was the first one that I think is, is straight up bad. That That is, that is, uh, so we've we've previously had conversations about Soderbergh. Big fan. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I love Soderbergh. Still haven't watched that movie for that reason. I like it's almost like the discussion we had previously about uh, Sam Rockwell, where I'm like, I watched the trailer for that movie and I was like, this is going to be bad. And I like Steven Soderbergh so much. I don't know if I want to watch it because it's going to ruin my opinion of him. I mean, I it's more shocking that he didn't make like a movie of this quality kind of yet to me. I, I'm just kind of shocked. He did, it took him this long to hit like a real a right. real stinker. And I think this is a real stinker. Uh, it's basically. I mean, I I didn't even I, I liked the big short and I thought Vice felt like just Adam McKay being super condescending about complicated, not even complicated things, just about kind of simple things, honestly. Yeah. But this movie was just like that, but just like made worse, honestly. And I was just like, man, I didn't even like Vice. And I think this is I think I would rather watch Vice again than watch this fucking again. That's mm -hmm. kind of crazy. There are some really, uh, I mean, I can get into specifics. There are just, I mean, are you going to watch it ever? Okay, okay. I, I will watch it because I think I'm going to follow your track and try to do all of the Soderbergh movies by the end of the year. But, I do recommend it because he truly oh, I mean, he does. He's and, got a, such a wide variety of things and they always, always look good because he's a great cinematographer. Every movie of his that I have watched so far, I'm like, this is fucking awesome. So I'm sure they're like, you know, more good than or not. But. Mm -hmm. The, here's my here's my question to you. 
for the laundromat. If you were give me the attitude of the film in one word. Mm. If 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 Adam McKay's vice is condescending, what is the laundromat? I just feel like Adam McKay, at least, I mean, I may have felt like it was condescending, but I just felt like this movie was just confused almost. It's mm-hmm. There are a lot of weird specific things that I don't want to get into because if you're going to watch it, I would rather us just be able to have a full conversation about it. But like, I get why he was doing some of the things he did here, but I don't think it was worth it in a lot of places. Sure. One thing I can talk kind of generally about that I'm at least... I kind of shit on Vice when I saw it because it used a lot of like stock footage and like I was just like, you don't need to do this. You're fucking you just had like an Oscar nominee, multiple Oscar nominee nominated movie. You can afford not to fucking be using stock footage in this fucking movie. And it really Mm -hmm. didn't make the movie that much better. But this movie has these ugly ass animated like intertitles that separate like different chapters of the Mm -hmm. movie. And that shit looks so tacky to me. It looks just bad i couldn't I, believe it was in like a feature movie and he's just got such a flair for visuals that i'm like i'm shocked at how bad that looks you know what's so funny is that th- that's not the first movie where i've had that problem there have been mm-hmm. multiple movies in the past decade or so that have tried to be cool with the like oh we're gonna do like almost like intertitles and i'm like yeah that they, they suck like there's a reason that we stopped doing them as like an industry <laughs> Like, like, I think maybe the only guy who can get away with that is like Wes Anderson. And that's because of the fact that everything he's doing is emulating shit that's way older than him. Like he there's everything he does looks like it was filmed in 1910. Like it's all blocky and like it's on a stage and everything. So it's what I mean, it's not like Steven Soderbergh's not used to doing stuff like that. I mean, like I, the earlier this week, I watched the good German, which is like the ultimate exercise in like making something look old. And it had kind of not inner titles, I guess, but it, I don't know. It just feels like it was, it felt so much more. I feel like he's so has such a unique voice. A lot of the time that, it was just weird seeing him almost like ape someone else's style and do it really badly. Sure. I felt just cause like, I don't know. He, he just has such a unique voice that when I was, I was just like, man, I hate that. It feels like I'm watching like a bad play on an Adam McKay movie right now. Yeah. Well, I, I just think about like, I don't know. I feel like in, in general, not just Soderbergh. Cause I haven't seen the laundromat. Mm-hmm. I just think that the function that intertitles used to have, don't serve that function anymore. Like it used to be to tell you what is going on. And then like, now we don't need that because like movies just flow better. So if you try to force them into your fucking movie, they just ruin the pacing and they just like, yeah, like they're just a way to tell you like the movie is a third of the way over. It's like, I don't want to fucking know that. Like if it's going, it's going. Mm -hmm. There's also two characters that are just basically fourth wall breaking the entire time and like guiding you through everything. And like that just kind of drives me crazy on its own face. That really is done. It was done well in big short, a a knockoff of vice. Well, yeah, it's, it's not good. It's I, and I on the record, I shit all over vice when it came out. This vice was better than this movie. I feel like, which is, I can't believe. Can I go ahead and make my claim here? I have, I have, I have another, probably controversial opinion actually you know right, what i I'll think try to you might myself. i think you might agree with me on this i might which I might. is weird because we never agree on anything 
That's not true, Danny. We agree Sorry. on things. We like frozen pizza. Frozen pizza. Uh, yeah, frozen pizza and Soderbergh. Drink uh, that Soderbergh. I think that should be, fr- uh, sorry, another bumper sticker. Frozen pizza and Soderbergh. Uh, I love it. Um, <laughs> it's actually, uh, I'm putting that in our Just a cold now. Berg and a pizza. <laughs> uh, cold Berg. That's good. You know, it would make more sense if I said a cold soda. But I went with Berg instead. Cold Berg and a pizza. Say, so what does that mean, sir? Uh, sorry, I'm writing these down now. Uh, I'm gonna oh, I'm look, gonna fit go this ahead. into something. Um, I'm excited. I'm excited. Here's my here's my opinion. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of done with breaking the fourth wall. That's fine. I no. I mean, I'm done with as it. a full concept. I think it works one quarter of the time. Like in and like like one out of every four movies, you should have it. Mm-hmm. Right now, I feel like the it became. I feel like it's back down now. In I the, just feel like the problem is our comedy just got so meta. I yes. feel like comedy has like we've completely destroyed almost any sort of facade separating the audience from the person making the joke at this point. Yes, like like I feel like well, here's the thing. Like I think the peak of it was like the mid 2010s like every Mm -hmm. fucking movie felt like it had to break the fourth wall at some point uh then i think basically what i realized is and maybe it's uh uh, as a result of the fact that now 90 percent of media consumed isn't movies it's all new media shit where people talk directly to the audience yeah that's what i i think it's just it's people seeing that that's the media that's popular now and just media starting to be made by those people Yes, but and but see, frustrating. I actually I don't. Like. I don't know if that's it because I think about like think about what is the most famous movie made by a YouTuber. Like, like can you think of one? Like somebody who like in eighth grade is one. What eighth grade's good though? That's the thing. It's like eighth grade didn't break the fourth wall. Like she's talked to a camera at one point, but it was never like, "Hey, there are people yeah. in the theater." Like. And then when I think about like even he like, seems pretty self aware and kind of resentful of the fact that he came up in that era. Yeah. So like I get why he would want to back off from that. But but I think but that you're right. You're right. But I I don't even think that it's like I don't even think it's YouTubers Sorry, or new media laser team. Did the laser team break the fourth wall? I don't know. I didn't I watch, watch it because <laughs> I hate that company. Oh wow! I don't hate the company. They fucking love, turned down Space Track. And I I'm love pissed. Rooster Teeth, and I'm. Willing to call them up. He stands right now. by every member of Rooster Teeth. Every every Roost single teeth. member, Joel. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh no, I I think um I think it's people actually who grew up earlier. I think it's mm-hmm. I think it's people who are out of the school of like nineties movies and nineties sitcoms who like that was fourth wall breaking. Like I remember the first time like I saw like fucking uh uh oh fuck me help me out uh Steven Spielberg cartoon Freakazoid Animaniacs oh Freakazoid <laughs> but like that that was like oh damn dude they're breaking the fourth wall that's crazy or like the early Adult Swim stuff was really fourth wall breaking yeah but then like when people of that era where I mean like those are even later than like '90s sitcoms like that were doing it too but. Mm-hmm. But like when you those that era of people starts writing and they are still under the impression of like, oh, if I break the fourth wall here, it's so funny. 
to a generation below them who's like everything I watch is them breaking the fourth wall. This isn't interesting yeah. to me. So I think it's, it's actually not subversive to do that anymore. Yeah, I think I think that the old generation still thinks it's kind of inherently subversive, whereas our generation is just bored with it. So I think I'm sort of tired. Yeah, of but it. I feel like people our age still do it. It's not like we're learning anything. It's not like we're changing anything. But do they? I feel like, like our I feel ge- like what, what? What? I mean, like I'm talking about like every generation. Internet media. I think th- oh, yes. people don't give a fuck about filmmakers of our generation. Well, that's what I'm saying, though. I think I think <laughs> internet media does it because it's sort of part of the form. But like, yeah. I think that if you look at people who would describe themselves as filmmakers of our generation, it doesn't yeah. happen anymore. And I think that's yeah. why, because people are like, if I wanted to talk to the audience, I would be a fucking Twitch stream. But I feel like younger people are. I feel like older people are trying to emulate it because they're like, these things aren't popular anymore. We need yeah. to emulate something that Maybe. is popular. Maybe. I don't know. But anyway. I don't know either. I, I don't was, know either. My whole case is just that I don't think I've seen a movie. I honestly think maybe. Maybe Adam McKay was the last guy I saw that did a movie that I was like the fourth wall breaking was worthwhile and it was good. With Which the, one did you feel the like big short case? OK, I feel like the big short, at least there was a reason to do it, which was. This is a complicated thing to explain. Yeah. And it's hard to explain it in a scene. So if we can just cut away and explain it to you, especially if we can make it funny, then it will actually keep the flow of the story going so we don't have to somehow shoehorn in an idea where, like, like if I explain what an IPO is, it would be weird for two people who already work in finance to be like, What's an IPO? Well, let me explain it to you because they should yeah. already know what that is. They work in that industry. Yeah. You know, the well, only, then you got to like write a scene where they show up and they're having to explain it to someone. Yes. It's just a whole thing. So I feel like at least in there, it would have made sense to be like, okay, let's talk to the audience for a second because they don't know what the fuck's going on. And we don't yeah. want to make it seem awkward to have these two characters explain something they should already know. So then let's mm-hmm. just, just, just give it to them in a cutaway gag and then move on. But that's probably the last time I was like, fourth wall breaking was by any means good i can't think of a movie since then well i can't really think of a new example because honestly when i was looking at my stats just now i was looking at movies i've seen that came out this year three (laughs) i don't watch any new movies Mm -hmm. i watch like exclusively old movies (laughs) i've seen no sudden move the new steven soderbergh i need to watch that you should it's really good and i actually do want to talk about that in a second but i saw the new suicide squad and i saw fast and furious wait hold on back up no sudden yeah. move is the new Steven Soderbergh movie. It's one of them. I he didn't just even realize he fucking made that. Yeah, it's him. Oh, dude, that's awesome. He made that and he made Let Them All Talk so for I HBO. Knew, I knew Let Them Max. All Talk. I was like, yeah. oh, yeah, okay, that's the Which new that one's good. I watched that one. That one's good. I knew, I was like, that's the new Steven Soderbergh movie that you were talking about earlier. I didn't realize No Sudden Move was also no, a no Soderbergh sudden move. One. That's nice, nice, okay. It's really good. That was the one that I was texting you about a few days ago. Oh, uh, okay. I just now watched Let Them All Talk, uh, like last night, actually, or the day before last. No, it was last was night. That, that oh, was crazy. another. That's also uh, what's her face. Also, Meryl Streep. She's a lot better in that one. <sighs> there are some really. There's I. You got to watch Laundromat because we need to talk about Meryl Streep and Laundromat. Yes. But I'll say that for a different time. But I cannot believe she did what she did in that movie in the 2010s for they uh, you'll just have you're gonna have to watch it you're gonna have to watch it 
I can't believe that they did it in service of like the ending of that movie, but I don't feel like the ending of the laundromat is earned in any way. Okay. So maybe I'll watch just going to have to watch think it. about it. It's 90 minutes. That's the, the best thing I can say about it is it's 97 minutes. Appealing. See, that's the problem. Now I'm like at all the Soderbergh's that are like two hours minimum or two hours plus. Actually, yeah. I can just tell you the ones that I don't have. I haven't watched yet. I haven't seen magic Mike. Uh, I mean, I want to. I've started that one before, but I was like watching it with other people, and then they changed it, and I was like, "All right." Are I you gonna kinda, include Double XL on that list? Yeah, I want to see Double XL. I'm not gonna watch it. I might not watch it right after I watch Magic Mike, but I want to see it. Okay, because he still he was the DP on it. Yeah, I still he, like, like, wrote I was, it and was the DP, and then was like, "But I just want to film it." And I was like, okay, "I just want a fucking freak." <laughs> but okay, He's I haven't so seen weird. Contagion. He's weird. I you haven't seen him, Contagion yet? No, I've never seen Contagion, Dude, which is crazy. I saw side effects one. in theaters, but I never saw Contagion. T- for real, that is like one of my favorite Soderbergh movies. I'm going to get to it. I'm going to get to it. I, I've been saving that one. It's on Hulu right now. Uh, Aaron Brockovich. I want to see that. Uh, Traffic. Mm-hmm. Behind the Candelabra. Haven't seen that one yet. That's got to be yeah, uh, That's going to be good. I'm excited to see that one. Uh, Solaris. I want to see the original. I actually was watching the original Solaris earlier because I want to watch the original one before I watch the Soderbergh one. The original one's a Tarkovsky? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, okay. I'm like halfway through it right now. It's good. It's just really slow. But I mean, that's like all of his movies. I, To my understanding, it's my first actual Tark- Tarkovsky movie. Yeah, uh, I mean, the only other movie I've watched of his was... Uh... Or the only one. I didn't even watch Solaris yet. I watched uh, Stalker. Stalker. And now I want to see Stalker. <laughs> I got I to rewatch uh, yeah. that movie again. Damn. But anyway, continue. I haven't seen Shay Part 1 or 2. Uh, Girlfriend Experience, which I nearly threw on earlier just because it's like 70 minutes. I was like, that's... Girlfriend Experience is kind of cool. I think you liked Bubble. So I think yeah. you would like Girlfriend Experience. Not on like a... I on, tend on to a, find experimental Soderbergh yes. way more interesting to me than yeah. like blockbuster Soderbergh. But like, I get why he has different modes like that. It's awesome. He's different modes like that because yeah. I feel like not a lot of directors can balance that. Uh, I want to see Kafka really bad, but like it's not available really yeah. anywhere. They were saying he was going to like re-release it as part of a box set this year, but there's been no update on that since January. So I don't know if that's happening or not. Uh, the Spalding Gray documentary and everything's going fine. I started that one, but I didn't finish it. And then Full Frontal. I started that one also, but didn't finish it. Okay. That was like his like indie art movie he put out. I remember Full Frontal. It's the David Duchovny joint. Uh, Yes, it is. Jeff Garland apparently plays Harvey Weinstein in that movie, which is kind of crazy. Weird. Okay. Uh, But so you have you, is this only on your rewatch list or like this is anytime you've seen him? Anytime. Okay, so you haven't rewatched the Oceans movies? No, I have them. They're ready to go. And I've been honestly, as I've been eyeing down these last few ones, I'm like, do I want to just jump ahead to the Oceans ones? Because I'm more excited to see those than I am to watch some of these. Like, I don't, I mean, I'm going to watch Traffic. I know people like Traffic, but like, I'm not like thrilled yeah. to see Traffic, really. But I'm going to watch it. I'm, I was kind of not excited about Aaron Brockovich, but honestly, the more I was reading about it, it sounds really cool. So I'm going to, I'm excited to check that one out. Okay. Well, I'm I'm excited for you. I need to I need to do a whole Soderbergh run. Now I think about it, maybe by the end of this year is kind of ambitious. Uh, but I think maybe you could do it, Danny. You could do it. I gotta watch so much other shit. Uh, but maybe that's my 2022 is the year of Soderbergh. 
Um, well, right now this is the month of Soderbergh for me. That's crazy. <laughs> and I'm very close Soderbergh to September. Uh, that would literally be if you'd watch the Soderbergh movie every day, you could still not finish all his movies. That's so true. You're right. That's so fucked up. Uh, <laughs> Even if you watch Shay as one movie. Yeah. Oh, that's crazy. Have you seen Haywire? No. I saw Haywire in theaters, and I feel like I didn't love it. I don't know if I'd really oh, like you it told more me about now. That. Yeah. I'm now I'm just curious. I'm like, should I rewatch that one? If I'm going to watch all of these, other I think ones? that's my thing is that is if I do it, I'm not going to be like, well, first of all, I'll watch oceans 11, 12, 13 again, yes. as many no, times I as I could possibly. I almost watched it again the other night. Uh, but I think if I rewatch all his movies, I'm going to rewatch every single one. I'm not going to be like, oh, I don't need to see that one again. I got to watch them all. Like, I'm yeah, kind the of thing a is like, I, in that way. I saw side effects in theaters. I don't really remember it that. Like, I remember it, but, like, I don't know. Just some of these, yeah. Like, I saw forever ago, like, Ocean's Eleven and Logan Lucky and stuff. But I like, think, I didn't have context for really who he was back then. I think maybe my end of this year should be Ridley Scott. I already started doing a lot of his movies. That's so much more than Soderbergh, though, I feel like. Ridley Scott? It was just a longer career. Maybe I don't look. Man, I feel like I he made less care movies. We probably he probably did because Soderbergh's a fucking freak. Let me see how I many. Know the, I don't know what's wrong with this bald faced fuck that I'm looking at. Right I now. feel like <laughs> actual theatrical release movies. Ridley Scott only has like twelve. Probably you're probably right. You're probably right because he's been fucking like decades recutting Blade Runner instead of making uh, three movies a year like oh, Soderbergh. No, hey, got, he wasn't crazy. Let's see. Aaron Brockovich in Traffic came out the same year. Is that not insane? That is pretty crazy. Because those are both, like, big Oscar players, too, I feel like. Like, I feel like those are some of his, like, more critically revered movies. I don't know. He was on such a hot streak in the He's 2000s. That's kind of wild. 25 movies currently out. That's crazy. That's crazy that Soderbergh has lapped him. That's not that crazy, honestly. It is I, crazy. It is crazy, though. I mean, it's crazy that Soderbergh makes so many movies. But when you Yeah, think, that's what I mean, really. But the thing is, when you think about, like, the Ridley Scott like legendary run of movies right which is like alien blade runner uh uh thelma and louise like he between 77 and 87 he made five movies mm -hmm. whereas like what were the other two uh the duelist which was his first movie um mm -hmm. which actually was like pretty nice. Is that a western it, um no it was like a it was a historical drama about like mm -hmm. britain um but th it, that like went to can and stuff like it did well and then mm -hmm. legend uh which is that tom yeah, yeah, yeah the tom cruise that we movie. talked about uh and yeah, then he stole the unicorn shots from yes and then one and, and uh one called um uh someone to watch over me which is like a crime thriller mm -hmm. and then black rain is 89 and then, but like this thing is like, so between 77 and 87, he only made five movies. He made Duelist, Alien, Blade Runner, Legend, Someone to Watch Over Me. In 10 years, Steven Soderbergh will make 15 movies. It's fucked up. I, I don't, I don't know how. I don't know how we get, how do we keep letting him getting away with it? Because he's just like, guys, I got an iPhone. Like, this is kind of his old joint. I know, but that's what's so awesome about it. When it really is kind of, though, he doesn't, it's not like he takes his time. 
He's the motherfucker who literally will like shoot rehearsals and stuff from five angles so that he doesn't have to shoot coverage. Yes, because which is awesome. Which I mean, I love that he's like <laughs> no, so I love it crazy too. fast. But I'm also like, so it really do, though does not shock me when you think about my point being. Steven Soderbergh's heyday is right now when he can produce for almost no money seven films in a year. Yeah, Whereas, but like, it's not his heyday, though. I feel like I feel I like mean, he's not making movies that are all the same quality. Unfortunately, well, I, guess, I guess maybe not. But my point is that like he's pumping them out because they're so cheap. Whereas like the peak of Ridley Scott's career was in the eighties and nineties when it was so much more yeah. expensive to just make movies. So like. It but he was, was choosing to make more expensive movies. That's the thing about Soderbergh, too, is he chooses to like make the cheap ones. But, I mean, he makes expensive movies, too. But he just will also always have a cheap movie running alongside he's, it. He's just a freak. Man. But, my, but my point, dude? though, is that like to get funding for a Soderbergh movie, because he makes so many cheap movies, it's pretty easy for him to get oh, yeah. a movie made. Yes. Whereas, like, no, I, I get feel that. Like I get the Ridley that. Scott thing, it's like it's hard for me to say, like, oh, Ridley Scott's not making enough movies in comparison. Because, like... like the dude had to back then you just had to wait five years between movies like it was but just, also I feel like he's not someone who's willing to set I feel like Soderbergh will settle on something to make a movie happen I feel like really Scott's the kind of guy who's not gonna settle or really compromise I don't know if I say d- Soderbergh's the guy who's willing to settle I think maybe Soderbergh is the guy I think he's more willing I said more willing to settle I don't think than that's really true. Scott I think it's almost the opposite I think Soderbergh is the guy who says they're like you can have a you know $15 million if you change this thing. And he says, fuck it. I'm not changing it. I'll do it myself for $60,000. I don't know. I don't know. Like literally what is Che? If not that, where he's like, I refuse to make any compromises. That's true. That is like the ultimate, no compromise movie. Like but that's also a weird thing. Cause he didn't start making that movie. That was a Terrence Malick project when it started. Yeah. Uh, it's just weird. Oh my God. I watched that. actually, I watched several ta- Terrence Malick movies. I started a Malick run. But I didn't get very far. I watched the ones that I was really interested in. I've never been a Terrence Malick guy. Badlands is awesome. I don't know if you've seen Badlands. I think I Badlands know. is really good. Well, it's like 90 minutes, which is really nice. And actually, his second movie, Days of Heaven, is also 90 minutes. Uh, those are both good movies that are nice and short. Now, and then I watched Tree of Life, and I like Tree of Life, but I'm like, I get why people have issues with late period Terrence Malick. Uh, s- s- side note that I thought was funny was that... Um, mm-hmm on these Facebook groups I'm in where people are like calling themselves producers and stuff. There was a guy who was just like, I am here to be the new, he just literally said, I'm here to be the new Terrence Malick. And, That's I, awful. and that, I was, no one should aspire to that. Uh, yeah. And I was like, I don't, I feel like Terrence Malick is cursed with being Terrence. Malick. Yeah. I was like, that's like, yeah, that, that really is like being like as a, as a rapper, I want to be the new Kanye. And I'm like, that's, I don't think you really want that. I don't think he wants that. <sighs> yeah, I don't I don't know. It's just not sustainable. The world can't handle two of them at once. Yeah, and I don't think Terrence Malick is particularly somebody you want to be. Like at least maybe maybe I'm maybe I mean he makes, you know, arguably like the highest art of filmmakers, but like on the flip side, talk about somebody who's not willing to compromise. <laughs> on, on the flip side, he's widely considered kind of like, yeah, like kind of an uncompromising dude who can't get a lot of things done because of that. Yes. Like, and most of the time people walk away from being in his movies being like, yeah, I didn't like that. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know why he edited it this way. (laughs) Yeah. But you know, it was funny for somebody to just be like, I want to be the new Terrence Malick. I'm like, no, you don't. No, you don't. Yeah. No, that's, that's a little ridiculous and just hard to, you just can't, you can't just say you're going to be Terrence Malick. I don't know. Like I, 
seems crazy. <laughs> yeah, it'd be like one thing if he was like, like I like the movie blank, the Terrence Mount film, but he was like, no, I want to be just like him. And I'm like, that's crazy. That's insane. That is crazy. It's insane. Thing. Have you seen Days of Heaven? No. Do you know like the thing behind that movie that they like filmed it all a golden hour and stuff? Yeah, I've heard that. It looks great. All those movies that I've seen so far look awesome. I haven't seen the ones that he was doing like in Austin, Texas, though, in like Hollywood and stuff. I know people fucking hate Night of Cups and Song of Songs or whatever, but I'm going to get to them. I'm going to get to them. I mean, I watched uh, Thin Red Line way back in the day, mm-hmm. uh, and I remember thinking that movie was fine. Um, yeah, see, I never watched that one. Just it's two and a half hours. He's got so many long but movies. What's so funny it's kind of remark- that, weird I watched Tree of Life because that's a long is one. Is it too. you're saying like, I don't know, like, it's so funny to me that you're like late period Malik when I think about it, because in my head, I'm like, but late period Malik is only his fourth film. It's most of his career. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, but that- it, it is markedly different than, I mean, Badlands and Days of Heaven, just I think by being film, like actual film, film yes. movies, he could only shoot so much and then he had to edit it down basically to as short as possible, I think, because it's just like technical limitations for a lot of things. Then once digital rolls around, this motherfucker's he's able to shoot as much as he wants yeah. and everyone hates it pretty much. I mean, he enjoys it, I bet. And the cinematographer maybe enjoys it, but maybe the actors, I feel like no actor has like really spoke super positively coming off a of Malik project. Yeah, I don't know. I I just I don't know. I feel like I respect what he does, but I I don't know if it's for me. I feel like you should check out the early ones because they really aren't like at least Tree of Life. I've only seen. I, I mean, like that's the only the, later one I've seen. The, maybe maybe it's a philosophical difference. Like like I respect what Soderbergh does so much more. Like especially when you think about like I mean I don't know I'm a professional video editor. Like the I've worked with guys and who admittedly aren't as smart as Terrence Malick, but maybe want yeah. to be Terrence Malick, where they're like uncompromising and they're going to retool and retool and retool this thing until it's perfect. And I hate those guys. I really do. They're like miserable to work with. And usually the retooling makes it 0.0001% better. If any, Whereas, uh, but I don't feel like when I watch a movie, I'm like, I wish I'd worked on this. I don't think I've ever walked away from a movie feeling like but that. I don't care like, about that. The, the beauty of like, I mean, Soderbergh still puts a lot of like work into his movies but I guess sort of the beauty of especially like late stage Soderbergh where he's like, I shot this on an iPhone and I did it with like, you know, $40,000 is like he puts that fucking movie out and then he's like, mm-hmm. you know, it, you can only retool a movie shot on an iPhone so fucking much. So it forces you to actually finish it, you know? Yeah, but then you're also able to reshoot it so much easier, too. I mean, you're yeah, able to reshoot anything. Like, basically I feel so like. Much- he, well, I mean, I don't know because I don't really. I need. It. I want to get in. I need to get into interviews because technically I've, you can reshoot it, but he still is like getting people. Like you'd have to schedule those reshoots. You know what I mean? Like that's yeah. I'm just. It's easier though. I guess I feel like Malik wasn't able to fucking reschedule reshoots for Thin Red Line. I think once that shoot that shoot that went terribly. Also, yeah, <laughs> once I, that I, ended, I, I don't like think what you're shooting on is so much little the issue anymore. Like, you know what I mean? Like, if he shot it on an iPhone, I feel like it's specifically harder to shoot than shooting it on a fucking red at this point because everybody owns one. Like, I think maybe back in the days of film and trying to get an area into studio, that was a problem. 
But like now, I think that the difference between shooting on an iPhone and shooting on a cinema camera is not the issue in, in that's going to hold up your movie. It's like yeah. logistical stuff. Yeah, no, I agree with that. But but I was just going to say, I think that like, you know, like when you're shooting on an iPhone, there is, I guess, a sense of like, well, this is as good as it's going to get. And then you put it out there and you realize that most people don't know the difference between the next, the last hundred hours of retooling you might be doing and so it sort of forces you to just put it out there and i Mm -hmm. you know to finish your movie it makes you finish your fucking movie yeah and i respect that so much more than guys who are like well i've been working on this movie for the last 10 years and you come out and you're like yeah it's fine I think you should check out Badlands or Days of Heaven. I think those are good movies. And they're not really like at least Tree of Life. And they're 90 minutes. That's like the really, the best thing I can say about them is they look pretty. The performances are usually pretty good. And they're 90 minutes. You've been watching a lot of Altman movies too. I don't really know how to think yes. about Altman. You got to check out some Altman, man. There's some really I good know. stuff. Every time have I you ever seen to, any I of them? Have you, the have you looked at movie. Have you seen the player, right? Oh, Danny. <laughs> Danny. Uh, I've not seen the play. The player? No. Okay, you haven't seen that? Have you seen any of his movies? Did we look this up before? Uh, let me look through his whole filmography right now. I feel like I have seen some, but I don't know what. I feel like we found one you'd seen. Uh, let's see. As a director. Um, <laughs> well, we did. I saw Popeye. Uh, oh, yes. Uh, but that's probably not the best... Uh, I like it. I think it's good, but you know, it definitely it's it's exactly you know what you're getting into. And definitely it's one of those movies where the story behind it is more interesting uh, than the story happens. Hilariously enough, the only movie of his, the only theatrical movie of his I've seen outside of that is the last movie he ever made. It's Prairie Home Companion. Prairie Home Companion. You saw Prairie Home Companion? Yeah. That's wild. <laughs> I well, because I grew up with that show. Well, like, same, same. I watched it before I knew really who Robert Altman was. Yeah, that's. I mean, I had no idea who that was, and then now looking at it, I'm like, I totally forgot he made that movie. Well, he did, and it's good. It's a good movie. Yeah. One of my things that I like to fall asleep to is I put that movie on with the commentary track. It's just him and Kevin Klein. I feel like I never make it past like 15 minutes. I always fall asleep before I any further. Feel like I watched three women in class and fell asleep. Oh, I love three women. Three women. So good. The Sissy rest- Spacek, who was in uh Badlands. Yeah. The rest of these movies, I have no idea. Never heard of them. Well, there are a lot of good ones. Hold on. Let me pull him up. Before we entirely move on Soderbergh, though, and move into the full Altman zone, I just want to say that I feel like I've noticed Steven Soderbergh really loves to, like, adapt a historical event, but, like, adapt almost everything around the historical event in a mm-hmm. way that I find really interesting. Like, like the informant, I guess, is definitely, like, very blatant. It's obvious what that one's about, but No Sudden Move is... I mean, I don't want to spoil any of it, but like it definitely it ends up having like historical context, basically, for everything Mm -hmm. that's happening. I just feel like he likes to be educational kind of with his movies in a way that I find interesting. He's like in side effects and unsane. That's like all about like the medical industry and stuff and like how that's screwing people over. I find that really interesting. He just likes to insert a lot of like he's just very conscious of a lot of things. I feel like. Yeah, I feel like and and the cool thing is it never comes out. I mean, like 
this is a social commentary movie. It's always well, but then like, that's why that's why when you watch the laundromat, it's like literally how did someone who made this look so easy in the past? Yeah, how did he bungle it so bad? It just I'm like this is embarrassing. But but it almost feels like oh, help me out, uh, American Hustle. Oh, David O. Russell. David O. Russell. I was thinking David Gordon Green in my head. Um, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, he definitely likes to do that too with like yeah. Three Kings and stuff. Well, that's yeah. That it's that I think those two guys are really good at like, hey, look, this is a character story. This is a character story about a character doing a thing. But then yeah, yeah. it's tied into a larger like happening of whenever the story took place. Like you know, like yeah, American Hustle was about those two characters running a hustle, but it was also about the larger like political corruption of the seventies. And yeah. so, but that, that those two things were related that there was this weird side character who was involved in the larger. Well, that's kind of, that's kind of what happens in no sudden move. Also, mm-hmm. it's really cool. You got to check that one out too. You got to watch all these. I'm, I'm, I'm a sucker Danny. for the cast of that movie. So I'm like, all it's about so it. good. The cat. Oh dude, Brendan Fraser and no sudden move. He's awesome. It's, it's like bigger Frazier too because he's already been bulking up for that yeah. Darren Aronofsky movie he's doing. So like he's like a, a a gangster heavy in that movie. It's so it's awesome. You got to check out. Well, it's so funny really, too really is good. I think he was also pretty bulked up already with. Uh, well, I mean, I think um, he just kind of got out of shape when he was in the movies. And no, stuff, I was like going to say, he, hold on, hold bro, on for there, the the dog. DC show. Yeah, for uh, Doom Patrol. Yeah, but he was. But I think I think he got cast in roles that were kind of catering to him yeah. already being big. Because, like, he was kind of getting big by the time, like, Furry Vengeance and stuff came out. But that said. And no, obviously, no that was due to, like, move. the Hollywood blacklist, backlisting thing that happened with him and, like, that yeah. executive where he was, like, harassed. No sudden, I'm happy he's, like, made a comeback at all. No Sudden Moves starring my personal favorite Soderbergh collaborator, Don Cheadle. Don Cheadle. Dude, Don Cheadle. So good. I fucking he's love awesome. Don Cheadle. He's awesome. He's so good in and pretty much everything he's in for the most part. I mean, he's the best part of Space Jam, too. Yeah. And, hands and, like, down. And that sh- movie sucks. People shit on his parts in Ocean's Eleven, but like they're like, oh, his accent is so bad. Yeah, but they and I'm show like, him the accent. <laughs> but, I'm, but I'm like, yes, but ignore the accent. He's awesome in that movie. I'm going to need to rewatch this. The, I, I need to rewatch this. The fact that the accent is so bad, honestly, makes that character better because he's such a goofy okay. character. Okay, Dan. Well, look, I'm going I'm to watch him. If you if you look look at it, it look just at sounds it. like you're in the bag for Cheadle though, Danny. I am in the bag for Cheadle. I'm I'm <laughs> I'm, I'm Chester Cheadle over here. I'm so addicted to Cheadle. <laughs> That's good. Uh, That's good. <laughs> but like to me, it's like it's like um, it's like Bert and Mary Poppins, where it's like yes, <laughs> like fucking Dick Van Dyke's character. Yes. So it's like, <laughs> is his accent horrible? Yes. If that's what you're yeah. if that's what you're focusing on, that's very stupid. He's a character who draws chalk on the floor and jumps into the paintings yeah. and is a goofy one man band. Now, they should have put that character into Ocean's Eleven, though, instead of Don Cheadle. <laughs> literally almost old. the same character in my mind. They literally should have put old-ass Dick Van Dyke into Ocean's Eleven. My point should is... should have been drawing chalk. It was fucking chalk zone. Ruby's Don, got the chalk. Don Cheadle's character, Batcher, in Ocean's Eleven is basically a Looney Tunes character. So if you're complaining about this portrayal being a stereotype of English people, I'm like... I didn't. I didn't say that. No one you, said that. The royal, you, the royal you. The royal you. Yeah, the royal you. Yes, people have said that. Shut up. I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure. All right. Uh, it's a bad accent. All right. <laughs> you're, at least you're, you did admit it was a bad accent. Oh, it's a so. bad accent. But I'm, my point is that's kind of the point, I think. Like, I, I know that 
I know that Don <laughs> Cheadle was like, I didn't know it was a bad accent, but he did say like he asked Soderbergh and was like, how does it sound? And Soderbergh was like, that's fucking great. I think he knew. Yeah. I think Soderbergh was like, this is very funny. Let's keep it in. Because he's not a guy who misses details like that. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Um, I just, yeah, I just wanted to make, bring up the, the consciousness of historical events that I feel like Steven yeah. Soderbergh is relatively pretty good at, but then sometimes stuff like the laundromat, I'm like, wow. Miss a mark there. All right. Uh, so I've been watching all these Robert Altman movies. Yes. I got the list pulled up. I, I got my like them sorted by my ranking. Uh, look, the thing is, I'm fucking down bad for 70s Elliot Gould. I mean, I just feel like he Dude. is in his pocket. The I mean, perfect, it is, it is an ocean connection. The perfect connection that you missed. Uh, yeah, you should have just said. <sighs> look, I, I'm excited. I'm excited to see. Now that I know who all these. That's the thing. I feel like I want to rewatch the ones I hadn't seen by Soderbergh because now I have context for like everyone involved, basically. Yeah. It's just like I feel like I'm going to look at it all differently. Can't wait to see old Elliot Gould. It, I love young Elliot Gould. It, there was actually a tweet I saw the other day. It's like it, it was just it's disgusting how all men just want to look like Elliot Gould. <laughs> but he's wise. He's got it. You watched. The, you've never seen The Long Goodbye. Dude. Yes. Yeah, I know. Yeah. He's you got to watch The Long Goodbye. You got to watch The Long Goodbye. California Split's really good. That one's I feel like I would recommend that one maybe above some of the ones that like people say like Nashville and stuff is one of his best. But California Split's just nice. It's a smaller story. You're not having to like juggle twenty people at once. I mean, Robert Altman's good at doing that, but like, I don't know. California Split's just—it's a nice little treat, and it was out of print for a long time. Now it's kind of like making the rounds on all the streaming services again. I guess it's get, it got restored or something. That one was really good. Uh, I didn't. Did you, no, you haven't seen any of these. I forgot. People love shortcuts. Mm-hmm. The the one that's based on all the Raymond Carver stories. That one's fine to me. I don't like love that one. I think, I don't know. That one's like the one where I'm like, I feel like maybe he bit off more than I feel like he could maybe chew. There's just so much happening in that movie. And I don't care about all of the, uh, each of the stories to the same degree that I care about, like the ones that I actually like. Uh, Oh, scrolling down. There's one that people hate. I don't know if you ever heard of Quintet. Have you? No. It was kind of reminding me, honestly, when I was watching Solaris earlier, it's another just glacially paced sure. <laughs> sci-fi movie with a bunch of rules that don't entirely make a ton of sense. Right, right. Uh, it's all about, a, it's got Paul Newman in it. He basically did okay. like two movies with Paul Newman and they did, they got not great reviews and then they both bombed really badly and then they didn't work together again, which is kind of a shame because I mean, I love Paul Newman. Would have been nice for him to get some really good roles, but Quintet is at least interesting to me. It's all about this board game called Quintet, where like if you die in the game, you end up getting killed in real life. Just Jumanji. Kind well, no, but it's not like you get sucked into the game. It's just like literally Paul Newman's like a hunter or something. He shows up to a hotel. Also, the visual aesthetic of this movie is it's like they discovered smearing Vaseline on the lens. So like every shot has that. It's all like very foggy and shot like a dream sequence. Robert Altman just shows up. They never really explain the rules. Of the, it's just people basically just talking almost in future lingo the whole mm. time. It's like fucking Neuromancer. Yeah, it's crazy. And then like every time someone gets killed, they like drop the dead body outside of the hotel and like just packs of dogs show up and just start like tearing the bodies apart, basically. So there's a lot of shots of just like dogs tearing corpses apart. And I can't believe it didn't do well at the box office. <laughs> 
It's interesting though. I don't know. That one definitely I get where people don't enjoy that one, but I feel like I feel like that movie could find an audience with people who like weird, just bleak sci-fi worlds. Mm-hmm. At the very least, it's like something you could just throw on because like it does at least have a defined visual style and stuff. I don't know. People kind of shit on whenever he was doing the filmed plays too. I don't know if you've ever heard of the 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 one actually I haven't seen no. yet. Uh is the one where it's just Philip Baker Hall doing uh, Nixon for an hour and a half, Secret Honor. Oh, yeah, I've heard about that. People love that one. I've started it before, and it is good, but, like, I don't know, man. I feel like one-man shows maybe I I have to have a special kind of patience for. I just get kind of... I got kind of antsy when I was watching Secret Honor the first time. I need to give it another shot. You but, like uh, the, people do the shit in this Will place. Ferrell, uh, Bush one-man show? I never saw that. I never saw that. That was kind of interesting. I don't, it was... I don't know how to describe it. It wasn't super funny in my mind. <laughs> well, that's interesting. Yeah. Was I guess I don't know. I don't, I don't have time to sidetrack us fully into the Will Ferrell zone. But as <laughs> W, but tell me more about it, Dan. I'm curious. No, it's just like 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 okay, we watched like the SNL W stuff, right? And it's funny. Yeah. Whereas like I felt like uh it almost veered not quite into Josh Brolin W, which was like okay. I was, never saw that. It it was just somewhere between like this is funny because it's Will Farrell doing his W impression, but also this is a little sad. Like Oh, interesting. Where he's like, there's parts the of the bloom it, was off the rose at that point. No, 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 no. I mean, like, li- like he's actually characterizing Bush as like a little oh, bit okay, pathetic, yeah, yeah. and it's I see, like, yeah, yeah. you know, which I mean, Bush is a little bit pathetic, but it was weird because yeah. like you don't usually well, just you don't see character work on SNL. Like it's just the broadest right. version possible that, a lot of times. So the fact tr- that there was any introspection is interesting. Yeah, there was, and maybe I need to rewatch it again. I just remember watching it probably about <laughs> five or six years ago. It was like pre twenty sixteen uh-huh. election. But I just remember like watching it and being like, this is like not as slapstick as like Will Ferrell's W was like it mm-hmm. starts out that way. Like he comes in on like a rope. Like, yeah, that's like that's what I remember is him getting lowered. Yeah. But then like it's like I mean, but it's an hour and a half long monologue, I think. Or maybe it's maybe it's just around an hour, but it's like. It's interesting. It sounds like he basically just did his version of Secret Honor, which is fascinating. I but I mean, it was it was there was actually pretty funny parts. Like it was well, there are comedic. Parts people say Secret Honor but, is funny, but you have to understand. You know who directed that show? Was Adam McKay? Oh, interesting. Okay, so think about that. Where you have the balance of like it's the Adam McKay style balance. Like this is there's funny Guys, parts. He's there's saying, legitimately he's funny parts, and then they Adam McKay is this generation's Robert Altman. Yes. Uh, in fact, I would say Adam McKay is better than this generation's Robert Altman. Cause, uh, <gasps> this generation's Robert Altman is Richard Linklater. He yes. sucks. <laughs> I, I have not watched enough Linklater movies to say whether or not. <laughs> you seen School of Rock? Yes. That movie was. What if Robert Altman did School of Rock? <laughs> what if Adam McKay bad. did School of Rock? It might have been better. I like School of Rock. I, I'm fine with that. I don't know. I just feel I don't know. I, I I can't weigh in on that. I feel like it's a movie. One of those movies I've seen so many times that like. But why? I'm did, just tired. Why of did it. everybody want some not get an Academy Award? It wasn't even considered. I don't. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I've I've never even seen Days and Confused. Uh. Okay. Anything else you want to say about Altman before I push you off? I uh, everyone should check out a. Uh, 
fuck, man. I just have one. You should you should watch the player now that you're in L.A., Danny. You're kind of the player yourself. Tim Robbins is awesome in it. Yeah, I love Tim Robinson. How dare you, first of all. Tim Robbins is good whenever he shows up. You got to check out Long Goodbye, Danny. You got to check out the player. Okay. I will watch. I'm prescribing those to you. I I will probably. Well, I guess I first got to watch. I got to watch this. Well, I I, Soderbergh and Scott, I guess, are my first two. Oh, yeah. I forgot about Scott. Um, Well, I'm not saying you need to run the whole Altman uh, gamut. I'm close to Altman having Altman done, too. Yeah. But which that's like a f- that's like crazy five a decade career. Movies, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I tore through a lot of them. Well, and I still have like Belkin. I have I never watched Gosford Park, which is like, like his late he's career. Like done, done, right? Well, he's dead. He passed away. Yeah. Okay. So it's like he died. Like sorry, right after <laughs> I don't they know did. Why I said done, done. Like I like like yeah. He retired <laughs> happily. Like no, he's dead. Yeah, I finished him off. Uh-huh. Someone paid for the Geek Space package. Oh no, it was Linklater. I told you though. <laughs> I told you, though, I think whenever you were over here uh, during your last weekend, or maybe when we were doing, it had to have been after I finished. I remember you saying this, that he Uh, left in his will two people to like finish a movie or something. No, 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 no. Well, whenever he got funding for Perium Companion, they had to get uh, Paul Thomas Anderson to sign on. That was it. In case he did just drop dead, so they would have someone to finish the movie. Otherwise, they wouldn't give him funding. But he also signed on to do uh, a movie version of Hands on a Hard Body. Mm. the everyone touching the car uh movie and uh link later signed on to get the funding for that one oh. but that one never even made it to like production yeah. so we never got hands on a hard body all right so for me <laughs> i'm finally gonna talk about some things i watched because i am watching some ridley scott movies i just rewatched the director's cut of blade runner classic awesome it's awesome. I'm I'm great movie. I'm doing a lot of sci-fi stuff lately. I I, re, I mm-hmm. I'm reading. I'm actually in the this because I mentioned Neuromancer. I'm like in the process of reading Neuromancer because you're, you're having to decipher it first. <laughs> yes. Well, I am. I'm actually taking it. And you never page. saw the Soderbergh version of Solaris, did you? No. Man, I'm so curious. I have a few people who've said in like on my letterbox that that's his best movie, or some people are saying it's like the best Clooney performance. I'm really curious. Yeah. I'm very excited. And it's 90 minutes. I'm like, it that's 90 perfect. Minutes, as opposed to the original Solaris. Yeah, I know. That's why I'm like, I'm kind of mad that I'm watching the original first, but it's just like, I need to. Otherwise, I'm just going to be like, well, Soderbergh did it in 90 yeah. minutes. I'm just going to be doing that the whole time. Yeah. So like, I'm, I want to be happy that so that he was able to pare it down. Because I think I'm going to like it anyway. I mean, like, I, the, sorry, Dan, this is your time. I don't want to monopolize. That's fine. I want to talk about Blade Runner. Um yeah let's do it no but i i've been watching a lot of uh sci-fi stuff and specifically like cider cyberpunk type stuff uh so mm-hmm. as i was saying i'm reading neuromancer and it was pretty funny because like so i'd, I'd seen blade runner years ago but in mm-hmm. one of the interviews for like william gibson did when he wrote neuromancer was he was like uh actually i started writing neuromancer and then uh blade runner came out and I scrapped my entire book. He's like, quit. Yeah. He's, he was like, he's, <laughs> that sucks. he said, he was like, I quit writing for like, like two months. Cause I was like, somebody already made my book and it's a movie. <laughs> and yeah, but then he's basically, and that's the original cut too, which is kind of, I mean, yeah, but then he scrapped it and was, and restarted it, which I, I, uh, that book is tough. It's, it's a difficult yeah. book to read. Uh, but so I was like thinking in my head because I was like, oh, I should rewatch Blade Runner then. And it is kind of crazy 
to see like I feel like there is in this in my head this idea of like cyberpunk is what it is now because of like almost 40 years of building up of what cyberpunk means right Mm -hmm. like the like oh there's like a combination of like japanese uh influence and like russian influence but also like u.s industrialism and all this shit yeah it's whether there's also just like detective stuff sometimes depending on like But this thing is like it's not a slow build-up in blade runner all that shit is already there yeah and so I was like, oh, like, oh my god, like this came, came in way faster than I thought it would. Like, well, I mean, you, I guess you could argue maybe Blade Runner was influenced by stuff like Metropolis and like, oh yeah, well, I mean, Blade Runner was like, I mean, even like the the book, uh, do androids dream of electric sheep? Like a lot of oh, that it's stuff. Okay, Dick. Yeah, I'm sorry, yeah. I forgot that we were talking about like one of the preeminent sci-fi writers. Period. Already. Yeah, but so like a lot of that stuff's already in there. Like, so I'm not. Mm-hmm. It's not like a, he, you know, yeah, Ridley Scott like formed yeah, yeah, it from yeah, his yeah. head. But the vision of it, like the visual stuff, I'm like, holy yeah. shit. Like they totally did. Like it's I, so fully formed already just yeah. in Blade Runner. And that's just, like the foundational piece. Usually like, I don't know. Yeah. Like it, it's rare that a genre like has such like clear roots, like so early on kind of yeah. in its like run. Yeah. And to be like almost like I don't think even now I can't think of another thing in the genre that has successfully built on it to like make it better like i mean like you could argue like blade runner 2049 okay so blade runner 2 like like it, i can't think of another yeah. cyberpunk movie where i'm like and they really changed the game like no it's all just like once yeah it usually doesn't runner, change the worse. game it's yeah did you ever see ghost in the shell or no i did yeah i did see ghost you in like the ghost in the shell it's okay I think yeah, that's kind of how I, that's kind of how I feel about it. I, like, I want to love it. Visually, that movie gets closest. Like, oh yeah, definitely. I think narrative wise, uh, that's that is a movie I would say maybe needs another thirty minutes. Where I felt mm, like I don't know, I don't know. Well, you should watch Blade Runner two, and then you're going to be wishing it was like an hour long. <laughs> Blade Blade Runner two. I feel like no, sorry, not Blade Runner two. My apologies. Ghost in the I Shell mean, two. Ghost in the Shell two. Yeah, that movie that. literally disappears up its own ass. It's t- not very good in my opinion, but people love that movie. I just remember, uh, so I, I just know. remember thinking uh, at the end of uh, Ghost in the Shell, I watched that. I was a little drunk. I watched that mm-hmm. in my dorm, and it was like me and William and Johnny. And I was and maybe like, is like the ideal way to view it: drunk in a dorm room. Yeah, and it's like <laughs> I remember thinking like. Oh, dude, like this is going to be crazy. It's like the cyberpunk anime. And then yeah. we watched it. And that whole, how long do you think that movie is? How long do I think it is? How long do you think the original ghost? It's got to be like 90 minutes, right? Maybe 100 minutes. Uh, Hold on. Wait, I just want to wait. If it's over two hours, if it's two hours, I'm going to be shocked. No, it's it's under 90. It's 80 oh, minutes. That makes sense. That makes sense. That's just, to its benefit, though. I think that's absolute to its benefit because then you watch play. Sorry, you watch Goes to the Shell too, and I look check that. I bet that movie's like two hours long. They're like fucking reciting Dante to each other. I'm like, y'all shouldn't have had thirty extra minutes. I get why we had to pair this back. Goes to the Shell two is ninety five minutes. Oh my god, maybe I need to rewatch it. Then maybe I like it more now. I don't know. I fucking thought that movie was so slow when I saw it the first time, uh, and not very good, honestly. 
But no, I was just thinking because I was like, because I was like, dude, this feels like nothing. Like I was, I thought when when they show the, I don't want to say the big reveal at the end of uh, Ghost in the Shell, but like when mm-hmm. they do the big reveal of what she's become, I was like, oh, this is like, there's going to be, we're going to have a denouement. There's going to be like another 15 minutes explaining what happens next. And it was like, nope, end credits. Mm-hmm. I was like, nope, it just, yeah, it just, it just ends there. Yeah. So yeah, I, but I feel like that's how anime is sometimes. Yeah, maybe. I'm not saying it's not like maybe that's an anime thing, but all I was gonna say though is that mm-hmm. uh, that movie I think visually gets closest to Blade Runner, to where I'm like, I okay, think so too. This builds on, but like think about like other, especially non-animated films that are like, I guess I would argue cyberpunk, like Johnny Mnemonic. I've never seen Johnny Mnemonic. It's okay. Is it good? Yeah. Okay. Is that Keanu Reeves? Or yeah, about that? It's Keanu Reeves. I like Keanu Reeves. And, and my boy Dolph Lundgren. Uh your boy, Dolph. Dolph. Uh Akira. Um is animated, I know, but I was just thinking about that because Ghost of Shell. Uh mm-hmm. well, that um, one's I mean, that's a super visually like influential one as well. Like, yeah. He's basically got like the Tron bikes and everything. Uh I guess Judge Dredd. Um uh-huh. uh Wikipedia says Matrix. I don't know if I guess I'd consider the Matrix cyberpunk. I guess it is. Uh, yeah. But it's just... I a, mean, it's definitely pulling from, like, Ghost in the Shell. It's, like, pulling yeah. from imagery from cyberpunk. Yeah, I would also say that one's almost more... It's more cyber than it is punk. It's a lot of, like... Like, when you're in the Matrix, everything's, like, weird 2000s corporate America. But then, mm-hmm. like, when you're outside, it's, like, all basically rubbish heaps as opposed to, like, it's a mixing of the two. It's, like, they're almost two divided worlds. But... Yeah. Uh, but anyway, I just I don't know. I was thinking about that because I was like, every like cyberpunk's big again. Like it it it's huge. And I was just like, I can't think of like what movie. I feel has like the aesthetic's it. huge, but I feel like it never. I feel like people are always excited when a new cyberpunk thing happens, but I feel like it rarely ever. People are rarely satisfied by it. I feel well, like. that's that's my point. Is I feel like it's almost like I can't think of like another movie that's like in the same. In the same level of like, this is unbestable. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I get what you're saying. Like in its genre. Uh, I, I don't know. It, maybe. Maybe like Star Wars is the closest thing I can think where it's like, like, and it's weird because Star Wars is almost a genre in itself at this point. But like, yeah, just like old sci fi. Like well, that? Just, well, no, no, just like like the same thing. Like, what Star Wars movie since Empire Strikes Back has anybody been like that was better? Like none. Like it's true. It's like true. at, at the right. at the end of the day, it's like every single one is like this is some worse version of the movie before it. And I feel like that's sort of how everybody feels holding whatever they hold up to Blade Runner. It's like not only is this not the building block, it is a finished product. Like it is not it is fully formed out of this guy's brain. And when you hold up things that are made even now, like if you hold up episodes of Altered Carbon up against Blade Runner, I'm like, dude, Altered Carbon looks worse. I'm looking at like a list of top. Uh, well, actually, we should maybe talk about this awful list. I'm looking at right now. That's top top 10 cyberpunk movies. Number 10 Elysium, which I wanted to bring up anyway, because did you see that movie? Yes. Was it good? No. 
So people didn't like it. Story wise, no. That is cyberpunk more in the way it almost is like District Nine. Well, that's the same guy. Yes. Well, it makes sense. They look almost exactly the same. Mm -hmm. Where it's like it is high tech, but I would say the it's not like oh like neon lights and cities and stuff. It's it's like weird. It's like like, grounded almost. Yeah, it's like really brown and dusty, and then like Elysium, the place is the green like that's because that's the classist argument there. That's kind of like Star Wars. That's kind of like old sci fi a little bit. Yeah, this is the fact that these are lived in. It's not like everything's super fucking clean. And well, I guess Blade Runner is not really like that either. Everything's really no, dirty. No, but it's but it's like dirty and clustered as opposed to like yeah, like it's almost more like I would say more like um, uh, fucking uh, I can't remember the name of it. Um, but it it basically yeah, it's it's basically like the the Elysium is the new Eden, and like everything is yeah. green and nice, and then basically it's almost like Wally. It's like Wally. Oh, there we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah like, I remember the trailers. I wanted to see it because of the trailers and like the exoskeleton looked cool, but I feel I like never got around to it. The action in that movie was good. Uh, unlike District 9, he never goes there with his argument. Like, I mm-hmm. feel like District 9 had a more like, this is the ideology behind this movie, even though I think that movie solved problems. But I feel like Elysium was like, this is almost about classism, but we kind of sold it short so that we could have Matt Damon fight some more. Yeah, I just feel like I gotten. It's been interesting watching his career and not seeing any of his movies because I remember District Nine came out, everyone loved it. Then I remember this one. I remember this one was coming out because I saw the trailers and everything. And then they got okay reviews, and I don't think it did really well at the box office. Then Chappie came out, and I remember when Chappie came out because everyone was shitting on Chappie. And I don't know if you saw, he actually had a new movie come out this week, and everyone again was shitting all over it because they got like it opened with like zero percent on Rotten Tomatoes and stuff. Someone like had a chart that they had made years ago of like the trajectory of his filmography and like yeah. the reviews it got, and it was going to basically hit zero. And then the fact that he actually hit zero is kind of crazy. I didn't realize that uh, people hated Chappie. I remember wanting to see that movie in theaters, and then just didn't get around to it. I wanted to see it too, but people definitely did not like Chappie. I feel like I've definitely heard Chappie is the butt of a lot the, of jokes. The irony of that uh, is, I think I wanted to see Chappie just because I really like Dev Patel. <laughs> I forgot he was in that. He's the only thing I remember about it. Diane Word. You're such a big Diane Word fan. I am a surprised huge that didn't Word make fan. you want to watch it. Uh, but no, I, anyway, I was just going to say, like, like yeah, like, th- th- like, take any, like, weird, like, truly cyberpunk movie from the last, like, 10 years. Like, take, uh, I'm looking at it right now. Um, take Aeon Flux, right? I've never seen Aeon Flux. I know that's, that's, like, 15 years ago now, but, like, like, look at Aeon Flux, and I'm like, yeah, I'd rather watch Blade Runner. I think Blade Runner is a better looking, better acted, better written movie than Aeon Flux. Well, like the one with Charlie Theron? Yeah. I feel like people don't like that movie, though. Do people like that movie? Uh, I remember it being big. Maybe I don't know if they okay, like I, it. Okay, I, I just I haven't know, seen it. Maybe I haven't it seen it. Hold up. But like, well, I just remember, I remember there was an animated version. I remember people liking the animated version yes. for sure. Uh, or like iRobot. Or. Uh, now, on this list, they have Total Recall at nine. Would you consider Total Recall Cyberpunk? Because I yes. wouldn't really. You would? Okay. Okay. Interesting. I, I love that movie. That'd be pretty up there Here's for the me. tie together there. I think if you watch Blade Runner, it is also the beginning, or I guess even the, the book was too, is it is the beginning of Mars colonization is a theme in Cyberpunk. That's true. That's definitely true. And yeah, everything from Total Recall to Red Faction has made that a thing is like ore mining in Mars. 
Now, number five on this list is Watchmen, which I've never heard anyone refer to that as a cyberpunk movie. The Zack Snyder movie? Yeah. Has anyone ever called that cyberpunk before? I don't really think that's cyberpunk. I think it's just Cold War. Yeah, look, I never saw it. I never saw it. I just yeah, I would, I I would, was surprised to see it on the list. It's been a long time since I've seen the Zack Snyder Watchmen, so maybe there's elements I'm missing to it. It seems but, like they're defending more like the aesthetic of everything, but like I guess I feel you got to have more than just an aesthetic. Like, yeah. Neon lights does not make something right. cyberpunk. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. People are bringing up like Dark City, which I've watched before. Watched and Dark City. I didn't get much from it. It's basically just like five different cyberpunk ideas in a blender, and okay. it's not great. But I mean, aesthetically, if that's what if you just want to watch something cyberpunk, I mean, it definitely it will satisfy your fix of that. Of it's looking like at fifth it, fifth element on there. Yeah, fifth element was on this list. Okay. Uh, people talking about dread, uh, that existence, that like video game oh, David Cronenberg movie. Yeah, yeah, I totally forgot about that. Oh, hackers, which is, at least aesthetically is now, like hackers, pulling from hackers is crazy. That is that, a nuts. Yes, movie. That movie's awesome. I watched that movie. <laughs> this is the weirdest, one of the weirdest double features of my life. It was at Chavez's. We watched. Haggard, the Bam Margera CKY like feature length movie, and then we watched Hackers right after that. <laughs> what did that do? Ian, uh, what's his name? Um, Ian Softly. What has that guy even done? I don't know who that is. The guy directed Hackers. Oh, he did Hackers. I don't know. I don't know what else he did. I never saw Lawnmower Man. Is Lawnmower Man Cyberpunk? Uh, it's listed on here. Interesting. I haven't watched it either. I was gonna say the other one is uh fucking the most like i would say like cyberpunky cyberpunk cyberpunk is like fucking that emilio estevez movie free jack oh yeah eric actually watched free jack he liked I, it a lot <laughs> i haven't watched it i just watched the i remember watching uh the trailer for that and just being like wow they it's just like if the vhs intro was a movie <laughs> yeah it sounds pretty awesome mick jaggers in it like yeah. one of the top build cast members and I guess Repo Man's pretty much cyberpunk. Oh, I never saw Strange Days, but I've been meaning to watch Strange Days. I know people consider that cyberpunk. I'm trying to remember which one the Strange Days is. Catherine Bigelow. Uh, it's like people's brains are stored on like DVDs, kind of. Angela Bassett's in it. I think Ray, Ray Fiennes is in it. I've never seen this. You've never heard of it? People no. like it. It's it, The thing is, it's not in print a lot of places, and it's not on streaming services. But if I, I can get you I can get you that file, though, Danny, if you want to watch that one. Okay. Uh, Andro- Andro- Andromedia. Oh, this is a Japanese one, not not Andromeda. Okay. Eggs oh, I heard about that. Was the one that came out a few years ago, right? No, this that's from like '96. No? Oh man, I'm way off. Did you ever see Upgrade? I heard about Upgrade. That's on this list. Upgrade. It was like a newer movie. It's like a guy kind of like augmenting his body with like different robot parts and stuff. Oh, um, yeah, I do remember this. Uh, um. What's his name? Did that movie? Looks maybe like Jai Courtney, but I don't think it is. No, him. not him. Um, horror dude, Jason Blum. That's a Jason Blum. Blum doing. directed it? No, I don't think he directed it. I just think it was. One oh, of it was the just movies the Blumhouse. Okay, yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. Okay. Because I remember, th- I remember seeing that and being like, "Oh, it's the Insidious guy." Oh, wait, no, it is the Insidious guy? Is it? No, oh, he wrote Insidious. He wrote Insidious, and then he directed Insidious three. Oh, I and just, he did the Invisible Man. He did the newer Invisible Man with Elizabeth. Oh, Pons. weird, huh? It is really weird. He's had a weird career so far. But I just remember, I remember seeing that and being like, 
weird that I guess it's sort of like oh, actually, I don't even I just remember being like Blum. You know, usually I remember doing seeing a, a, a thing with him where he's like an interview and he was like, "I stick to my wheelhouse. I know what to, I know how to sell what I sell. I sell horror movies." And then when I that was like 2015. Then when I saw this movie yeah. was coming out, I was like, "Weird." It's like 2018. Yeah, it was. Like, I think there's I think there's a horror like bent to it, maybe. but I haven't seen it. But I, I remember I thinking I just, it was a it was an interesting step outside the box, I guess, for him to go. Like you could do a lot of things out outside of being the horror genre guy. And for the mm-hmm. first thing you do to kind of be like a weird, yeah, like a cyberpunk action movie, I was like, yeah, huh, that's interesting. I'll take that. But I think I could be wrong. I thought maybe like part of it was like his body was maybe like rejecting some of the implants. I thought maybe there's like a body horror thing to it, but I totally could be, wrong. could be too. I mean, I don't really know. I, yeah, I, I never watched, watched any trailers it, so. or anything, but, but anyway, I'm going to check it out. People liked it. I, I would definitely recommend just going and watching Blade Runner again. I mean, I think that movie is really slow. But uh, I, it is, but it's so good. It's, it's and it brings me up my biggest complaint about Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Why the fuck didn't Vangelis do the score? <laughs> That's bullshit, man. That's just rude to Vangelis. Who did the score for that one? Hans Zimmer. And I'm sick right. of it. Get out of here, man. I'm done re- with you. I remember saying they should have just hired the band Gunship to do it. Like they should have just hired a synthwave band. I would have pretty much preferred anyone <laughs> than fucking Hans Zimmer doing pretty much the same thing he's done in the past five movies because he used to kind of have a varied uh like composer mm-hmm. uh, i just feel like he used to do movies that weren't just like blockbusters with big loud noises he just became the loud noise guy i don't yeah. know why but uh because he i don't know i don't have time to fucking tear Hans Zimmer. Zimmer a new one. i just fucking i'm so annoyed by the 2049 script it's just yeah but- so many synth heavy things are could have been, it could have been done just in a such cooler way, I feel like. And it could have had a really distinct score the way that the first one has a really distinct yeah. score. I do think that that score honestly carries some scenes in that movie. Dude, uh, it does. But I think Wait, in but, 2049 or in the first one? In the first one. No, absolutely it does. But I think that's also one of those things where it's like, that's also where like that movie has kind of, especially the first half movie, has kind of a dredging pace. But yes, it no, doesn't I, I didn't matter. like that movie because of that when I first yeah. watched it. But now I've learned that that does not matter. I yeah. thought the I thought the detective story was like I thought that's what I was going in to watch Blade Runner for, and that is not really what you're at all no, tuning into Blade are, Runner to watch. It is almost like to me, it is uh You're kind of punished, honestly, if you're wanting like a straightforward detective yeah, story out of Blade To Runner. me, it's like uh have you ever been this is such a weird comparison, have you ever been to a Chinese restaurant uh and they have the TV in the corner that's just playing videos of landscapes? Yeah. Okay, it's like that. It's like just music and beautiful imagery. And the fact the story is lanyap to that. Like, it's just, hey, do you want to see a movie with the craziest production design in the history of film? Here we go. Like, no, I love that. And maybe it's just because I've seen it play out a million times at this point. And I know I've complained about it probably on the podcast. And just I complain about it a lot in real life. I'm sick of seeing. I don't mind sentient AI. I don't care about the uprising at this point. I feel like we've seen the sentient AI uprising play out. I feel in like so we many about this. That's ways. crazy. That's an interesting it's, take. Oh, hold on. I can't find my AirPods are dying, oh. but I'm just, I'm so sick of seeing that play out. I was kind of bummed when 2049 completely veered into that towards mm. the end of that movie. Just cause like, I don't know, man, the first blade runner is so not about that. And I find that so much more interesting. Just him realizing that he might even be an AI that and the fact that it doesn't really take a stance 
mm-hmm. depending on what cut you're watching. I just find that so infinitely more interesting than just rehashing the same. We should have been nicer to the robots because mm-hmm. they're going to fucking eat our ass now. And I'll say again, uh, Blade Runner, a director's cut under two hours. So perfect. Perfect. Uh, okay. I'll quickly go through the end of these things. I start. I'm about five episodes in the mythic quest. That shows Is good. It good? Uh, it's good. I don't know if I would say it's as good as uh, it could be, but I think it's good. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, I don't have Apple TV, so that's why I don't watch. I never got the Ted Lasso, but you gave me it. I need to get to it. But I haven't yet. Uh, I'm watching I, five I movies a day. <laughs> here's, uh, here's what I'd say. I think it's understanding of gamers is better than I was expecting. That's cool. The flip side is it's comedy writing has not up to snuff yet. Okay. Like, like knowing the, the creative team behind it. I'm just like you guys. It's like literally a mix of the teams of it's always sunny and community. And I'm like, I, I'm hoping, by the way, the audio sounds OK, because you're just playing like out loud right yeah, now. I'm sure it'll I'll figure it out. OK, uh, I'm sorry. I wish I had been better prepared. Uh, but I was, yeah, I mean, I'm, I don't have much more to go anyway. But yeah, I was just going to say, I, hopefully it, it feels like it gets better. First two episodes were mm-hmm. meh. Then like episodes three and four have been better. So I'm hoping it does like solidly like, okay, by the end of the season, it knows what it's doing. This is going to start maybe a whole different conversation. I don't want to keep it so long, but does any comedy show have a great pilot? I feel like most of the time you have to figure, there's so much dynamics that need to be figured out that like the first episode of a comedy show, I feel like is usually pretty misrepresentative of a lot of them i mean i will hold that a lot i think i think maybe aqua teen has a pilot that holds that's up that's different that's different uh Malcolm that's in the I'm middle has about. a great pilot that does a really good pilot you're right um I'm trying to think of another one that has a good pilot uh, everyone is just so good already in malcolm in the middle though it's just like that's almost frustrating that how good that cast is i yeah. feel like I don't know. I, I people feel like, love to talk about that cast, but I just feel like they were all that show's just so good. I yeah. don't know. I just love that. I'm in the bag for that show already. But oh yeah. I think such good on, I mean it's hard to get a good performance out of one child actor. To get like good performances out of an entire family of child actors is crazy to me, honestly. Uh depending on how you think of it, the curb pilot, whether you consider that thirty minute movie to be his pilot or the- Oh see yeah, I don't I maybe saw that movie forever ago, but that pilot that is a really good pilot, especially for at least establishing basically yes. the template for a curb episode. Yeah. And then I would say But our- does that just come with him being such a defined kind of writer already? Like his style was already so defined that yeah. like I don't know. He that's that's such a specific and interesting case because he literally does get as much time as he wants to figure out everything and he like gets to riff and figure out the dynamics for everything with his actors and stuff. Oh, dude, let them all talk. I didn't realize most of that movie's improvised. Did you know that? No. He just basically he got Meryl Streep, he got Lucas uh Hedges and the other I forgetting the names of the other two lead actresses that are really good in it. But they basically just went on that cruise ship and then Soderbergh sat down in a wheelchair with the camera and they just like wheeled him around. He got a bunch of shots and just filmed them like having conversations and stuff. Actually, I'll hold. Sorry, I'll hold that. I think Community's pilot is pretty good. No, that is a really good pilot. That was immediately the one I was thinking of. when I I was like the exception that proves the rule, quote unquote. Always Sunny has a great pilot. 
Like Is that I, the Nazi uh, grandpa one? Oh no no no! That's like the that's oh a I don't wild way. I the always Sunny Pilot's funny, but like I don't know I I I, I don't know I, I I don't have a lot of love for that pilot. I feel like, but I know I remember when I saw it the first time. I thought it was really funny. Um, it definitely got me to watch the rest of the show. I just feel like I never really want to go back and really watch any of the early. It's always Sunny. I don't really enjoy watching that version of the show that much. I just feel like. Are you talking about the, the the pilot where they filmed it beforehand, the two hundred dollar pilot? No, or the first no, no, episode, no, 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 no. I'm talking about season races. one, episode one. Yeah. Season one, episode one. I don't know. I feel like maybe it's not like. I just. Think I just that, think I don't like that version of the show. I feel like I, that show needs Dean DeVito, and I don't really. I don't. I just don't really. I feel like I shouldn't even comment on that show. I don't love it as much as everyone else does. I feel yeah. like. I. <laughs> I just think that that show. I don't know. It depends on how the pilot. What you want out of a pilot. I feel like that pilot is a perfect setup for this is what the rest of the show is kind of going to be like. Yeah, no, it is. It, you know, by the definition that I laid out, it is exact. It is a perfect example of what I kind of want from a pilot. Yeah. You just don't like that show though. So like that's no, I, but I do like that show, but I don't love that show. Yeah. (laughs) Like, I feel like I like episodes, but there's not a full season of that show. I'm like, Oh, I loved that season. Mm -hmm. I just don't feel that way about that show. That's fair. Uh, but yeah, and I especially don't really. I don't know. Yeah, don't, don't get me started. Don't and then, me started and then when you watch Ted Lasso, tell me how you feel about that pilot. I will. I will. Uh, but I think uh, I. I, would, I was going to say is I feel like the Mythic Quest. It's weird how well it gets. Like, hey, this is like what gaming gamers are like without it being like eh, gamer humor. But like, yeah, I still think there's some gags in there that are kind of fucking cringy. But. Uh, but generally, I would say that that does a pretty good job of being like, okay, I understand the subject I'm talking about. And yet the comedy team behind it, I'm like, this should be way funnier. Yeah. Um, like, like, cause like, yes, you have like Rob McElhenney and like you have Charlie Day, but you also have Megan Gans who is like, oh yeah, Megan Gans Community. is really good. She was on Community. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, so how the fuck, like, all Wait, three and it's of always you. sunny. Actually, she directed a few of the episodes of the newer. She seasons. wrote the season where they had Mindy Colling on there. Yeah, I know she for sure was. She directed, I think, the Boggs, uh, mm. the female Boggs yes. episode. Uh, but anyway, so that's all. I was gonna uh, just. I, I'm waiting for the show to get good. Uh, okay, two animes: Ace of Diamond, a baseball, and oh, fuck me. Sorry. Wow, Danny got so horny talking about anime that he just begged baseball. me to fuck him. Uh, baseball anime: Ace of Diamond. I don't know, man. It's crazy. It's just about a kid who's like, it's it's funny to just see like, I want to write a baseball manga now. <laughs> I feel like, <laughs> I feel like, I feel like it's interesting to me in that like sports anime and sports manga are always treated so entirely separately from everything yeah. else. And like the method of writing them is like, there's still like the things that are like the anime, like, I guess, like tropes of like, it's all about me getting better and I've got to get stronger. And it's all about the fighting there's a championship. Spirit. Yeah, there's a championship. Uh, there's a team and we all got to work together. But I feel mm-hmm. like there's a rival. The thing about that's interesting about sports stuff is like, I feel like I don't know who the writer of Ace of Diamond is. It's a little bit like if I tried to write about uh, music theory. Like, like it's something I guess I'm kind of interested in, but I don't really understand. Not qualified. Yeah. Like, like this guy probably watched baseball, but he probably doesn't 
ever played baseball or something to that effect. Like, or mm. at least that's sort of how it feels on screen. Like, cause they'll say stuff. They'll be like, oh, the way his pitch naturally breaks to the side. Or, and I'm like, I don't even think that's something that like you like baseball players look for. Or like, like they'll like the, they'll use like some explanation. Oh, of yeah, because you hear baseball players talking, they're like, ball go fast. Well, <laughs> <You catch ball. laughs> yes, they, yes, I, I hear I hear baseball players. You check out baseball. Um uh, <laughs> but like, but just like I guess like it's things that like are anime explanations like when naruto is like i'm harnessing the seven chakra gates to create energy in my palms to shoot out lightning you're like right that makes sense because in your head you're like that's just magic but Mm -hmm. when you hear a same kind of weird bullshit explanation oh yeah when they start applying that exists in real life yeah they start applying elements of mysticism to like (laughs) yeah pitching a ball (laughs) yeah 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 exactly and they're just like but even like things that aren't mysticism, things that like they try to explain logically, but just don't know how to do. Like they're like, well, the way he swings his bat at this angle means it's going to do this. But then if you play baseball, you're like, oh, it doesn't do that. <laughs> like, uh, it's true. It's true. But it's it's just funny. I've just I've just been like, man, I kind of want to write a baseball manga now because I feel like there is an interesting way you could actually turn an understanding of baseball into a good story, but I feel like it doesn't exist because nerds write books and nerds generally <laughs> don't play a ton of baseball. It's true. The only act, the only, uh, uh, the only person who maybe is a nerd that knows as much about baseball as me is somebody I've watched a documentary about this week. And that is Woody Allen. <laughs> oh, Danny. <laughs> Why would you even fess up to that? <laughs> did, did I watch the Woody Allen documentary? The HBO one. Oh, okay. okay. Not, not, not that I was watching Woody Allen. I thought you were watching like, some like puff piece one. <laughs> yes, I watched uh, Yes, I watched the American Masters Woody Allen. Uh, no. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, 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 no. I, A I, tribute to, I started, to Woody. I started watching the Allen Farrow doc. Um, mm-hmm. Man. That guy should stop speaking in public. Yeah, <laughs> I think of a few celebrities who should just take. They should like Al- Alec Baldwin retire from public life. Oh God! You remember when he did that, Alec Baldwin? <laughs> yeah, when he announced he was going to retire from public life, and then proceeded to be on like three seasons of SNL. Like you know right after that, super funny about that is you know what Alec Baldwin uh, was doing before he was on those years of SNL. Uh, besides leaving like racist voicemails on his daughter's cell he phone, he had a radio show in New York, an interview radio show, mm-hmm. where he notably interviewed Woody Allen and said on air that he didn't believe the allegations. That sounds about right. <laughs> I remember hearing. Did he have a I, talk show at one point too? Like we wanted to fucking listen to Alec Baldwin because interview I remember, people. I I remember looking up as I was watching the documentary, like st- like you know things about like oh they all like you know people's like takes on the allegations and stuff yeah and i just remember being like uh you know uh alec baldwin voices opinions on it on his talk show and i went he had a fucking talk show oh yeah and i remember the talk show no it like bombed no not that sorry not the not the tv talk show yeah i need to look at what the name oh just you're talking about the radio one he had a yeah he had a public radio show um i gotta find it alec baldwin radio show uh here's the thing with alec baldwin wnyc 
Oh, that sucks. They've given Alec Baldwin two late night shows at this point. Oh, that's miserable. And they both bombed. They both bombed after one season. But uh, didn't even air two of these episodes. But it was just funny hearing him intro his interview with Woody Allen. That was just like, there's been a lot of things uh, said about Mr. Allen. And uh, frankly, I don't believe them. And I was like, okay, well, it's good to know where you stand. Uh, so anyway, I've been watching that. But it, I think, um, look, completely filmically, I don't, whatever. Watch the fucking movie. Decide what you feel about Woody Allen. Uh, that movie has phenomenal use of archival footage. I think that there is like a tendency as a guy who works in documentary a lot to go full Ken Burns on everything and just Mm -hmm. be like, we're going to do fill or like photograph pan and scans. And like Ken Burns kind of made that his thing. And I still think he does it very well. And like, I am a sucker for anything that guy makes. Um, But I think this movie, this movie and Stacy Peralta's Bones Brigade and autobiography do, I think, what I would consider is maybe what I would recommend more to people going to documentary, which mm-hmm. is always putting your thing in space. So it's like there are some really interesting shots in this movie where it's like, and where like where other lesser filmmakers, uh, but like would have done like a pan and scan. They will just literally like put a bunch of photos on a table and like like track over them. Like, like okay, so yeah. you can actually see the the Polaroid borders. Or like mm. they will show you a whole scrapbook and they'll have Mia Farrow flipping through the scrapbook. Because like it's like as opposed to like we're gonna separate it from the scene, it's like, no, we want you to because the whole film is very personal. It's like, you know, yeah. we want to show you it involves is, you kind of, yeah. Yeah, yeah. This is the person who had this done to them pointing out to you the things that you need to pay attention to. Yeah, and like personal photos that are being shown in a personal like yeah, uh, viewpoint basically. And, and there's like so there's a part where in the very beginning uh uh Dylan Farrow pulls out a, a scrapbook and is going through them and it's uh, a scrapbook of photos of her when she was a kid that uh, Mia has annotated. Like, this is you with me on the set of Blank Movie. Mm-hmm. And she's pulling it and the camera in to show them and flipping through the pages and then pointing at pictures where Mia Farrow has gone and taken an X-Acto knife and cut Woody out of all the photos. <laughs> and it's like, it would be one thing if they just had taken a picture of it, but she's like flipping the edge of the photo with her finger where it's like now hanging out because of the yeah. fact that they, and it just feels more like tangible that it's not just like, Hey, we pulled this from an archive somewhere like a Ken Burns thing. Like this is from the mm-hmm. jazz historians of America. It's like, Oh no, this is somebody's house full of somebody's yeah. shit. And it's like kind of crazy. That like, I don't know. I think that's a really interesting technique for personal archival materials to like put it in a place and maybe with a person. And I mm. think that this movie does that so well. Uh, That's awesome. Yeah. And then also. How long like, is the doc? Is it a multi-part thing or is it just one? Three episodes of an three hour, episodes. I think. Okay. Uh, so I, one Solaris. Yeah. So one whole Solaris. Uh, okay. <laughs> but but I, I, it didn't feel that long. I watched the whole thing in one sitting. Uh, or the whole, sorry, the whole first episode in one sitting. I wasn't like getting up and down. Um, mm-hmm. Then I just broke and did the next one the next day. But uh 
speaking of three-hour documentaries, actually, I do want to talk about, uh, this is a really short one. Another thing about baseball, I just thought about this. Uh, mm-hmm. There is one called The History of the Mariners uh, mm-hmm. by... Uh, the Seattle Mariners. Yeah, The Seattle Mariners by Sorry. John, John I Boyce. A, I know a thing or two. I know a, a city. Yeah, I, know a, I know a city. John Boyce, <laughs> B-O-I-S, and Alex Rubenstein for, I think their series is called Dorktown. This is like on YouTube. Uh, mm-hmm. But they did a... They released it originally as a bunch of different episodes, but they just did a three-hour supercut version of their history, the entire history of the Seattle Mariners. Um, their documentary, I mean. It's weird. It's a, it's uh it's like you're gonna love this. It's like a three hour long, really detailed, really well written Prezi. I almost evoked Prezi's earlier when I was talking about the laundromat animated transitions because that's what those reminded me. They reminded me of Prezi, like transitions yeah. between slides. I'll I'll send you a clip of it. Uh, but like basically, what they do is they like there will be like things where it's like they'll have a statistic sheet of like wins of the Seattle Mariners, and then they'll mm. the camera that will pan down and those things become towers and like that uh, sounds cool though. It's like it's kind of cheesy looking graphics. But uh-huh. they're really interesting the way they use them. Uh, I definitely want you to send me some clips of this. Yes, but I had watched it once before when they was coming out episode by episode last year. And then I just started watching the three-hour supercut version. I was like, this is maybe one of my favorite documentaries of all time. Because uh, also the Seattle Mariners are just a really weird team with a really weird history. But mm-hmm. uh, but then at the end of every episode, I was going to say, is they, they do everything like it's one cut. And then so like it'll start over here and then the camera will pan over here and then it'll turn over here and maybe the stats. But when at the end of the episode, they zoom out and they show you every single thing that every graphic. Yeah, is all on one piece of paper. Um, That's that's cool. You know, I do shit on YouTube people. I feel like a lot and I definitely have done it on these podcasts. Just every time I get a chance to, I feel like I kind of shit on YouTube people. But I love the emergence I mean, it just mainly because I feel like I wouldn't even know how to begin approaching a video essay or like a kind of long form documentary thing that I feel like mm-hmm. we've seen a lot of people pop up on YouTube basically do just because they're interested in something. And that's really, really cool to me. I, I find that really admirable and stuff. I wish I I had the I, I don't know. I just my brain ain't wired that way. I just wish I had the attention to detail. Like it, it, as weird as it is, yeah. like, you know, I've done a couple. What is the willingness to do with the research for all that? stuff? I mean, like those these people yeah. will like make calls and stuff to people. I'm like, yeah. I would not I don't know. Yeah, it's just it's I mean, awesome. I've done a couple of like even when I think about like even like I, I did two documentary pieces on Geek Space. I like to do more, you know, pandemic and stuff. But like mm-hmm. I think about like the fact that like even then it's like it's easy because I'm just asking them to tell their story. I'm like, yes, maybe I can I'll do research, but it's still like I'm not inventing a script for them. Like mm-hmm. they are telling me something. I just have to cut it out like cut yeah you know chisel it out of marble but like the people who will do all this research and then write it and like they have to create graphics they have to create yeah. content to explain this well that's that's so the interesting thing about all the ken burns stuff too is just mm-hmm. that like he has such a he can get away with doing the panda scan thing because he has such a strong like just voice writing wise that he's able to like use pretty much the most basic way to show you it <laughs> and always, any sort of archival information the the people he pulls to talk about it are always so interesting too like yeah. it's not always historians i just watched this jackie robinson one about two weeks ago and there was like one that was uh there was Is that just, part of the baseball series no he did a separate thing. two episode thing just on jackie um cool, cool. it was pretty good uh but 
speaking of a guy who's a machine, just puts out movies. Holy shit. Yeah. Uh, but there the was Soderbergh of his field. <laughs> there was a guy who was just like a dude who lived in Brooklyn at the time. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, how does this guy like and and he like had an interesting story about his parents were deaf. And so he would sign out the games as it was coming out of the radio. And wow. Like, and you're just like, he has nothing to do with the Dodgers. He never worked in sports media. He's not a historian. He's just a guy that knew about this stuff and that Ken Burns found him. And like, that's what makes that his voice so good is that he will pull people out of like kind of bystander situations about yeah just to give you context events. basically for everything yeah and without having to even like involve someone who's directly there yeah that's why some of the vietnam war documentary is so good because he'll like he does like the war but then he also does like the kent state protests and just like people mm-hmm. who worked at the universities and stuff like that it was, i don't know super interesting last thing i watched i just watched one episode of your lie in april uh right before we got I on heard of that what is is that an anime? It's an anime about a pianist. Um, all I want to say about this is I'm going to keep watching it. Their eyes look weird. <laughs> Hold on. An anime where their eyes look no, weird? No, 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 no. Grant, Grant. I know, I know, I know. I'm, I'm going to pull it up. I'm going to pull it up. It's like like their eyes don't look just big. They're like too detailed. Oh, I do see what you're saying. Yeah, they, they really went hard specifically just on the eyes. Yeah, I don't know if I... It's like almost, it looks like like lights reflecting off yes, of them constantly. Yes, it looks like, um, it looks like everybody's wearing those fake colored contacts. Yeah. And like, yeah, because at first you think like, oh, haha, anime where their eyes are weird. And then you look at it and you're like, oh, that's like... No, no, you said, you're right, you're valley. right. <laughs> yeah, but that's, I just watched one episode of that and like the rest of the animation beautiful but then every time i look at them in the face i'm like let's see if i adjust to this mm-hmm. if, if i if i get to episode three and i'm not feeling this i'm just gonna stop but uh just 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 weird because i was like i feel like most anime kind of has a set look in the face mm-hmm. like you know like there's lots of other yeah, weird yeah. stuff but like i feel like faces in anime don't adjust too much this was like one of the first times I've been like looked at something and been kind of disconcerted. But see, I feel like I, gra- I I definitely agree with what you're saying. But because of that, I feel like I try to gravitate towards things that I feel like that just aren't that don't look. I get super drawn into things that have like the weird, scratchy, just mm-hmm. uh, bizarre looking style. I always appreciate stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I appreciate it too. And I think if it was like, uh, oh my god, the uh, um. The Devilman Crybaby guy. What's his name? Um, oh, Misaki Yuasa. Yeah, yeah. If it was like yeah, him, that guy's got a cry. I almost name checked him, but I, I withheld myself. Well, like I think it was like it was like him and like Junji Ito and stuff. Where it's like, okay, yeah, like that's unique, but like you're going for something. Whereas this yeah. just feels like they stepped one foot too close to photorealism. And I was like, okay, <laughs> reel it back. Let's just let's keep this anime. <laughs> yeah, uh, photo reel it back. I yeah, don't need photo, this. Photo reel it in. Uh, but. Anyway, that's all the things I've watched. Um, I, before we go, I just want to talk about what something I watched one episode of. I watched one episode of McCartney one three two one. Oh, dude, how is it? I I want to watch it. I should watch more, but the first episode was basically just Rick Rubin being like, "This bass part's good, Paul." And Paul's like, <laughs> "Yeah," and then Paul would like air it next to him. It kind of sucked, but I could kind of I enjoyed it. It was just basically Rick Rubin being like, "This part's cool, Paul." You came up with it, and Paul's like, "Yeah, actually, I, I came up with a lot of the cool things that the Beatles did." <laughs> Uh, John was hard to work. John was a little hard to work with. So here's here's my question: Is it like set up? Episode one's the Beatles. Episode two is Wings. Episode three is Solo. I don't think it's set up like that. There's also there's like six or 
episodes. Oh, is it? I thought it was three. No, it's I more. Literally See, thought that's it's, why it's it was such three, a two, deceptive. One. I wanted them to just kind of go into all the. If it was literally just a documentary about the McCartney albums, I would maybe even find that more interesting. But yeah. the whole first episode was pretty much just Beatles stuff. And I think they're just going to be. It just seems like they're just going to be standing in a room playing songs that Paul McCartney played on, which is interesting. It's just, I don't know. If they don't play temporary secretary, I swear to God. Look, I want to hear so much. I would love to hear where Paul's head was at during each of the McCartneys. I I would genuinely have loved a three to one kind of mm-hmm. thing where it's like literally just we're going to review all these uh, these albums. But it seems like they're just going to like hit songs he did. And then, you know, it did make me realize like they're on a mixing board so they can like slide up and like solo certain parts. It is really interesting. Some of those Beatles songs because like they played uh, while my guitar gently weeps. Paul's basically paying like a metal song on the guitar and the rest of that song. When you mute the bass, it's just I don't know. It's kind of like a tinkly little guitar song. Like it's sad sounding, but yeah. the bass is so heavy on that song. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. Huh. I, yeah, I should watch that. I was, I was literally was listening to an ad for it today. And I was like, just thinking about how much you hate Rick Rubin. And I was like, no, I like Rick Rubin. I like Rick Rubin. I like him, but I just get annoyed when I hear a shitty fucking hip hop song that is produced by him. Uh, But also, he's not really. I don't know. I kind of am surprised they get him to do this many like TV shows and stuff because he never really says anything super interesting. I feel like this whole show was basically him jerking off Paul McCartney and Paul McCartney being like, yeah, the song is pretty cool, huh? Again, like, again right. you should listen to the podcast he does that's produced by Malcolm yeah, Gladwell. The, the one that has a uh, I mean I've listened to some of the one that you were telling me about the, the Andre 3000 one. Yeah, so that, that that interview just makes me like laugh just how much like Rick Rubin. I mean, it, for the most part they're in agreement, but there's like definitely a couple parts where Rick Rubin's like, "Yeah, it's just got to be like this, man." And Andre's like, "No. No, I <laughs> I don't really feel that way. Yeah, I don't know. Rick Rubin definitely feels like he's one of those guys who's like in the room for a lot of things. And like he definitely, I think, has a lot of good ideas. But I don't know. I feel like, I don't know. (laughs) I wouldn't put all my eggs in the Rick Rubin basket because I just feel like I've seen so many artists do that. And he's worked with a lot of newer artists that never really do anything. Mm -hmm. Aside from getting to say, I I did something at Shangri-La Studios with Rick Rubin. He was on the couch. Yeah, I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do this podcast at Shaw Girl Studios. You should. I would love to shit on his fucking producing and interviewing skills sometime. Uh, all right. Well, yeah, I should watch that. I will watch that this week. I, if I watch more of it. We'll have to talk about it. I uh, would definitely like to hear your thoughts on it. All right. Well, anything else you want to bring up, or can we call this uh, the uh, successful first meeting of the of the I Kino th- Corral? I believe we can call it. Do we want to recommend anyone to watch like one thing or I don't know if uh, we want to do that. I think or... it'd be fun to play watch along. So if somebody watch it is like, like, are there any movies you are like, I'm going to watch these so that people can come back and be like, yeah, I'm waiting for his opinion on this. Well, I mean, I'm going to finish Solaris. I'm going to finish out the Soderbergs. Uh, if anyone wants to finish out the last few Soderbergs with me, I got a few of them. Brockovich, Traffic, Magic Mike. Contagion, sh- a lot I'm of a- big ones, honestly. I should rewatch Contagion. We could definitely talk about Contagion because I like that movie a lot. And honestly, I mean, Danny, I know this is not going to take much convincing for you, but we could do a full Ocean's retrospective. No one can really control us. Yeah, but I feel like that's look. How long do you want this podcast to be? <laughs> I just, I'm just saying. I, I, just, do I think three hours on each one of those movies. 
No, we might problem. have to. We might have to. <laughs> and we is, might have to assemble a team. Is, we is, might have to assemble a team where we get people to call in. <laughs> we get eleven people get to call 11 in or something. I don't know. That sounds like a bad idea, actually. <laughs> Honestly, that's pretty funny. We get an acrobat. <laughs> Do we get people who are supposed to be like uh, the members we, of each? Well, we should just have one person who only speaks Chinese. That's a good point. This is such a good point. Um, I'll get an old guy for Harley yeah. at Ghoul. <laughs> just an old guy. Well, we got you too. Saul Bloom also. Oh, yeah, you're right. You're right. Um, yeah, but I definitely think uh, I we could. I don't know. I, I, don't don't bait me into Ocean's Eleven talk or I will take up the whole podcast with it. Uh but we should we should watch Contagion. I will try to watch Contagion before the next one of these because I feel like that's a movie I really, really, really liked when I watched it. Um, Look, I'm excited to see it. I love the cast, so I'm sure it'll be good. Yeah, baby Lawrence Fishburne. Uh, baby. And Demetri Martin. Yes, and Demetri Martin. I forgot he was in that movie. See, that's like the Fucking only thing weird. I really knew about that movie for years. It's because I was such a big Demetri Martin fan in like junior high and high school. I was like, oh, he's in that... He's in that Contagion movie. And then I never got around to watching it. Uh, damn. I had a movie in my mind and just left. Oh. Uh, I am going to... I don't know if this is something everybody needs to rewatch with me. I'm going through the Twilight Zone right now. Uh, nice. So I'm, I'm about... I think I just finished the first season. So I'm a little ways into the second. You got a favorite up from the first season? or From the first season? Which is mm. what you've seen so far. What's been the best episode you've seen so far um, of your rewatch? Well, not my not my favorite episode, but something I do want to say uh, say about this. Do you remember the episode, the lateness of the hour? I don't think so. so I don't. One, I feel like I've watched. I, I don't know. I've never given it like a real rewatch, like a watch through. I've, I've just watched like episodes here and there. Okay. Well, you should. I mean, look, you should watch the whole thing. Uh, maybe I'm never gonna get around to it. <laughs> maybe my pick for the they're all thirty. Uh, they're all 30 minutes. You got to give me an episode. That's the, the problem is that right, show's right. just too long. Uh, but as I was gonna say, they're, uh, uh, they're all 30 minutes. Maybe that show ever made. Uh, I was just going to say weird, weird thing is the episode, the lateness of the hour uh, mm. is filmed on videotape. Like it's one of the That's first crazy. videotape broadcasts and they filmed like four episodes on videotape because they thought it would save them money. But then they ended uh-huh. up having to use special lights and like a special studio for it. So they ended yeah, up not saving no the money. money. But so like everything else is shot on 35 millimeter. And then mm-hmm. you switch to that episode and it has the like VHS ghosting on it. Oh, that's pretty awesome. And it's so weird. And like the depth of field is all strange because the cameras and the lenses are different. So I remember watching it. The first Is it a good episode or is it just kind of like just novel? The writing's good. Uh, okay. I don't think it is a standout one, but I just remember watching it and being like, something about this looks different. Almost like they couldn't find an original copy of it, so they had to scan a videotape. And then I was like, oh no, apparently it's shot on videotape. That's really, really weird. That is really interesting. I'm going to have to check that out. Um, Are they streaming anywhere in particular? It's all on Hulu, and I think it might be on Paramount Plus as well. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, It's actually, the cool thing is it was on Netflix for years. The fourth season of that show is the only season where they did hour-long episodes and Rod Serling wasn't really involved in it. Yeah. And that was not available for years and years because of the copyright problem and Hulu finally got them up. So I'm actually excited That's to watch That's pretty those. awesome. Um, I forgot what I was going to say about... Uh, Just best episode you've seen? Oh, best episode I've seen so far. Um, I am a sucker for Walking Distance. That's a really good one. Um. 
that's the episode where he like walks to his hometown. Uh, and as he walks to his hometown, he ends up in the past. So he like sees his child self and stuff. That one's that one's pretty cool. Um, Nick of Time is another one. That's that's season two. That's the one right before Lateness of the Hour. But that's the one where it's the first one where William Shatner appears in the show. Okay, and it's okay. written by uh, uh, um, what's his name, Richard Matheson, um, who you would know. I mean, he, he wrote a bunch of movies. He wrote uh, um. The name's really familiar, but I, I'm not immediately placing whatever oh, he did. Oh, the hell. Uh, he wrote I Am Legend. Um, okay, I've read that book. I've read that book. The uh, book? Yeah, he wrote the book, too. Okay. Uh, and then he also uh, wrote... Oh, he what? did all the Corman Poe movies. Yeah. He wrote, he wrote yeah, The that's Raven. Literally, I, that's why. That's why I brought him up. I was like, he did the Corman Poe movies. I, was, oh, I knew there was man. something where I wanted to bring him up to you. Um, <laughs> the Corman Poe's. Yeah. Corman pose. Uh, and then he did a couple other ones. Uh, but yeah, he's so he wrote several episodes of the Twilight Zone and two of them star William Shatner. OK. And it's uh, Nick of Time's the first one. Then Nightmare 20,000 Feet is the other one. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. But Nick of Time is really cool because I think that's one of the ones where. This like I feel like w- the, the term in the industry is called speculative fiction, which is like. Uh, sci-fi is in there, but also so is like alternate history. But it's all the things about yeah, like yeah. what if what if the world was different according to X rule? Yeah, that is one of the episodes I don't think at all fits in there. Like it only does. You should watch it, but it, it the, at the end it it like begs the question of like, is there anything actually interesting about this world, or did it just seem interesting because? the character thought it was interesting uh-huh where it's like it's it's like yeah i don't know like does this does this stick have magic powers or were you just seeing things from the perspective of a character who thought the stick had magic powers yeah like an unreliable narrator yeah narrator. It's, it's almost like an unreliable yeah. victim and it <laughs> interesting yeah now like, the unreliable victim that's actually something else i've been pitching around to a yeah. lot of producers <laughs> but i feel like i feel like we get a lot of the unreliable narrator things especially like i feel like the like did it really happen or was this character crazy trope is kind of dumb but yeah. it was interesting to see that literally be like the victim is like was this actually happening to you or was it a set of like essentially bad circumstances that you assumed was mystic Mm-hmm. Uh, I hate to bring it back to Soderbergh stuff, but that's kind of how I felt with the informant with the voiceover the whole yes. time. That's that is one of the most fascinating uses of voiceover I've ever seen in a movie. Even yes. though I didn't love the whole movie, that was awesome. Yes. Also, Actually, the Marvin Hamlish score is kind of crazy for that movie. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like went so hard for being such an old man at that point. Those characters, I don't want to get too much into it. You should you should I would say you should watch the Nick of Time. I think that's a good episode. All right. I'm gonna uh, check that out. Were you ever Tales from the Crypt guy or no? Not as much. I remember there was the episode that uh, who Robert Zemeckis directed that episode about the the First World War. Oh, see, I was gonna bring up a different Robert Zemeckis episode. There's a way worse episode that's all from first person view of a man who like gets surgery to look like Humphrey Bogart, and they got like a Humphrey Bogart. You you, you got to watch that sometime. You got to watch that sometime. That's it's awesome. Hilarious. Uh, no, there's one where. There's a First World War, the Second World War, but there's one that Robert Zemeckis directed uh, where it's not scary. 
It's just a short film about war. I mean, this one's not really scary either. It's just like is just novel that it's first person and that it, it's like a Humphrey Bogart impersonator. And I want to say maybe Dan Aykroyd is in it. I got to find this episode. Uh, no. Okay, no. It's uh, it's not Dan Aykroyd. It's called Yellow. And it is... No, wait. It is Dan Aykroyd. I'm right. I'm right. It's Dan Aykroyd and Kirk Douglas. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and it's called Yellow, and it's an episode of Tales from the Crypt, and it's just it's a uh, it's just about a guy who's in World War One. Interesting. So I remember I, that one's a weird one. I remember seeing that on like the Cinemassacre review of Tales from the Crypt, and being like, "That's really weird." And then I watched it. I was like, "Yeah, that was a kind of that was just a Robert Zemeckis short film." <laughs> well, that's kind of what this one's like too. What's the name of this one? It's called. Uh, it was on. It was called "You, De- uh, comma Murderer." Ha. Okay. Is that is that a Casablanca thing or something? I'm not remembering. No, or? I don't. I just like the phrasing of that. Uh, <laughs> well, it's interesting. But anyway, yes, you should uh, you should watch Twilight Zone with me if you're listening. Uh, I it's my pick for the best show ever made. Um, dead serious. It's uh, that or Aqua Teen for this guy. No, I said Aqua Teen's the best comedy. No. I know, I know. I, I've just I'm, I'm reminding everyone your two favorite shows. I think, they, yeah, they probably are both out there. Uh, yeah, I wasn't trying to like be coy or be Twilight Zone uh, or Utopia is my best drama. Oh yes, you do yeah. love Utopia as well. Uh, but then yes, but you should you should watch. I think Nick of Time's a good one. Um, I'm gonna have to check it out. Sounds then, awesome. I'll uh, save that name. I think the other one, let's a more classic one would be like To Serve Man. If you've never seen that one. I've heard of I know to serve man. Okay, but that's a classic one. Yeah, but yeah, the I one I really of, like. Oh my God, I keep bringing us on more tangents at the end. Here. I love the one where the guy goes into the psychiatrist's office because he keeps having the dream where he's gonna, where he's like get, gonna be killed or something, and he keeps waking up right before he does get killed. He goes to like a theme park and stuff, and like he's fighting with oh, a guy on a roller coaster. Yeah. Oh, I don't. I haven't watched. I haven't gotten that one yet. Oh. Then I'm not gonna say how it ends because no, I mean a, I, I I thought the twist was really cool when I was younger. What? Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say yeah. Don't remind me, but I've seen them all at one point. But yeah, uh, that one I remember liking that one a lot. That might not be one people have a high regard for, but that's one that stuck with me for sure. Um, and then there's one. God, I I wish I could find the name of it. Um, but it's about uh. Well, Obsolete Man's really good, too. I didn't think about that. Burgess, anytime Burgess Meredith is on the show, I think he's on it three times, fucking kills it. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, there's one where it's just about uh, a guy playing a game of pool against a ghost. Um, oh, it's literally just called A Game of Pool. That sounds awesome. And it's it's uh, G- it's Jonathan Winters uh, mm-hmm. plays... Uh, Wait, Jonathan? Hold on. He, he's... Like the- Oh, I'm sorry. I'm thinking of Johnny Winters, Edgar Winter, the guy that sings Free Rides. No, 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 no. The blues guitarist. I don't know why that's the guy I thought of, but I'm looking at Jonathan Winters now. He does look familiar. I do know him. And then uh, he plays pool against, he comes back from the dead to play pool against Jack Klugman, who is uh, from the original 12 Angry Men. Okay. Um, And also uh, the TV series of The Odd Couple. You watch that show? Uh, I've seen like the play of it, but I don't know if I've uh, seen All the right. show. Well, you watch well, well the original play or the 
No, I've seen it like oh. performed live. Well, anyway, but that's a really good episode too, where it's, it's kind of interesting because it's like, another- I did see the original play because I was walking back yes. to my hometown one time and well, it's just interesting because there is like a it, it's it's a another one that's sort of like the nick of time where it, it's definitely more mystical, but it's like not like, holy shit, there's aliens. It's like just about a guy getting his wish to play pool. Mm-hmm. Now, what I'm looking at here says the episode that I was talking about was in season one. It was called Perchance to Dream. I don't know if you just don't remember that the name or whatever. Perchance to Dream. I got yeah, it. I got episode to- episode nine of season one, apparently. Let me look. I feel like, I mean, I definitely did watch all of season one. I'm trying to think where episode nine chance to dream. Oh, yes. Okay. I totally forgot about this episode. Yeah. I don't even know if it's one that people really have a lot of fondness for. I just remember the end, the twist of the end of that one. Definitely. I was like, whoa, shit. That was like the first one I feel like that really got me when I was watching it. Yeah, I need to rewatch that one. I'd watched the first season before I like before I moved out. So it was like in November. Uh-huh. And then I've just started it back again with the second season. Yeah. I, I should rewatch that one. Because I do remember liking it a lot. I don't really remember the twist though. Also It's good stuff. Twilight Zone is sometimes something I will turn on as I'm falling asleep. Oh so. no. I mean like like it's great when you can find a comfort show like that yeah. that you can just throw on and not pay attention to and just doze off to. I mean, like when I do pay attention to that show, I still hold it as like this show keeps me gripped minute to minute. But also, yeah. I've seen that show, the whole show, so many times. Also, where I'm like, if I once I hit an episode that I've seen, I'm like, I'm gonna go to sleep. Yeah, dude. There's one. Oh, I got, oh, I'm not gonna look for it. But there's an episode where an alien lands in Mexico, uh, with the cure for cancer. That is one of the most bonkers pitches, but like honestly, such a fucking good episode. Uh, it's called the gift. The in case gift. anyone out there is looking for it. Anyway, we're we're over. Sounds two hours awesome. Now. We're over. We're yeah. over a whole Soderbergh movie. I know. I don't want us to go to Solaris length, so we should we should cool it. All right. Thanks everybody for listening. Those are some things we're watching. You want to catch up, and we'll probably talk about it next time. This has been the Kino Corral. The Corral. Yeehaw. Wow. Now, hold on. I'm getting a call from Clark. Hey, what's up? Cool. I'm just I'm about to record a podcast with Danny. I don't know if I'll be done when you get back or not, but uh, I will be. I'll be. I'm here, and I'm excited to see you. 6 a.m. That's so early. I forget. I just forgot. I thought we said 10 a.m., but I mean, I'm down for 6 a.m. We can try. I mean, I'm down. I'm down. Let's do it. I'll be ready. I might. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm down. Let's shoot for six. I'll have my alarm set. All right. All right. Cool. Peace.